Hello everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Dirty Twenties Podcast. My name is Marcus Dusik. I'll be your dungeon master for this story, and with me, as always, are five ritzy and red-hot role players. Ain't none of them a rube. Now, please introduce yourselves, adventurers. All right, I'll start off. Aiden here. Thank you, Aiden. I'm Craig Chapman, and I'll be playing Salem. I'm Richard Chapman, and I'll be playing Cricket. I'm Toby McGowan. I'm going to play Lonlin. Hi, I'm Emily, and I'll be playing Lizette. And though I didn't quite add it, Shardlow here. <laughs> yep, Aiden is Shardlow. This is the Dirty Twenties podcast, a D&D actual play inspired by the golden age of jazz. Get ready for a world of adventure in a land of magic, technology, prohibition, and jazz music. Now, without further ado, allow me to set the scene. The year is 1324 CE. The place is New Republica, a city on the move. For 43 years, New Republica has been the seat of power in the newly formed Republic of the United Lands of Esune, a continent-spanning civilization created after the defeat of the world-threatening corruption 47 years ago. The buildings in New Republica are tall, gleaming towers of glass and brass adorned with art deco filigrees and full to bursting with busy people in business suits. Money flows through the New Republica like the water through the Lorraine River that bisects the city. Horse-drawn carriages share the cobbled streets with automobiles and bicycles, while beautiful yachts and dirigibles move from tower top to tower top. From brass horns mounted on poles throughout the city come the competing sounds of jazz music and preachers, of public announcements and advertisements. Under the ever-burning street lamps, vast crowds of people hurry through the busy streets, cake eaters in their malls wearing beautiful and expensive tailored clothes mixed in with flappers and pastel smocks, business people in suits and dock hands wearing dirty coveralls. Faces of every race imaginable can be seen under bowler hats, fascinators, and pin-curled hairstyles in this veritable mixing pot of a city, in the tall, bright office towers of the Diamond District. Wealthy and powerful people make and lose fortunes in a flash, while darker alleys and back streets form the perfect venues for shadier deals of varying legality. In a city of this size, anything can be found and bought, if you know where to look and who to ask. As the sun rises over another beautiful morning, igniting the brass towers with gleaming brilliance, we move away from the heart of the trade district over the old city walls and to the canals, waterways, and mudflats of the inner Romic ward. Once a shantytown, claiming unwanted marshland in a bend of the Lorraine River, it has grown from its humble roots as a collection of tents and lean-tos to become a veritable slum of buildings built atop each other without any semblance of civic planning. Canals have been carved through sinking buildings, and rope bridges connect the disparate hovels in a precarious aerial maze, a sprawling jungle gym for the children of the area. Joyful calls of good morning fill the air, many of which are answered in similar form, while some are answered by a cantankerous grumble in reply. Laundry lines are strung over canals of grayish-brown water, and the smell of cooking fat and bacon mixes with the earthy smell of mud and water. 
stirred only occasionally by the ocean breeze that manages to wend its way through the port city and over the walls. In a shaded canal close to the river's edge, we come to an older but well-cared-for tugboat. The chipped paint at its stern proclaims it the lover's caress. And Aiden, can you please describe your boat and your character? Certainly. So, Shardlow's boat has probably seen better days. He keeps it in decent repair, but you can tell it's perhaps about 20 or 30 years out of date. See a hyacinth macaw perched on it. It doesn't seem to have any owner, but seems to hop back and forth, occasionally flies off to whatever own business it has. Shardlow himself can be seen piloting it. He looks a little bit weary, a little bit long in the tooth. He's a tiefling of quite a few years, long locks of curly gray hair, and deep-set eyes with orange irises. He's wearing a long tweed coat. It's not the most becoming. In fact, it seems to be a bit boxy and oversized on him. And it's seen a few winters, that's for sure. But all in all, he seems to be in a good mood. He's looking off into the distance at the moment and also keeping an eye on his back. He's, he's heard some trouble stirring up around here lately, but there always is. I just have to be a little bit careful. Absolutely. And uh, would you, do you think in this early morning, would you both be tied up or do you think you would be moving up and down the river? I feel like a lot of the jobs would still be done early in the morning. He'd be probably finishing up before noon. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So I think as you are working on one of these jobs, you're up on the pilot's anchor of the boat and or the pilot's area, sorry. Uh, and you pull over, you tie off uh, to deliver a little bit of a good that you were delivering. Um, and as you come back to the boat, you hear a knock, knock, knock. Where is it coming from? Uh, make a perception check. All right. Oof, uh, that's a nat one. Still sound for Charlotte, <laughs> but not good. I mean, you don't see anybody, but you're pretty certain this is coming from the dock. Uh, someone must just be like, real, maybe they're like really small and right beside your boat. But yeah, you don't see anybody. As you look around, uh, you look over the side of your boat and again, nothing. You don't see anything, but then you hear more of a knocking and you realize that it sounds a little muffled, as if maybe it's coming through some water. Shardlow pauses. To no one in particular, he sort of looks around. Love the weather we're having. He waits to see if there's any answer. You hear your parrot say, Lovely weather, huh? Um, and the knocking continues, and you realize it is coming from inside your boat. Very tentatively, he hops back onto his boat. His knee is still rather limber for a man of his age. And he creeps towards the door and sees if he can hear anything right up next to it. Uh, yeah, make another perception check. 
a little bit better this time, <laughs> perhaps closer in. Uh, that <laughs> could be a 19. 19, perfect. Uh, yeah, this, you hear that same knock, 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 uh, but it's not coming from directly on the other side of the door. And as you're listening, you actually realize you're feeling a little bit of the vibration through the floor. And you think this is probably coming from your secret access hatch. I sigh. I have my hand on a weapon rather quietly screwed in my coat pocket, but I am going to carefully move my way over. And then when one of the knocking stops for a moment, I'm going to open the hatch abruptly. Perfect. And you see there with their hand raised as if they're going to continue knocking is a fairly short metal framed war forged. Uh, well, water forged, actually, uh, as Diver is below the surface with you. Diver is a contact that you've had a lot of dealing with. And the what you notice or what you can see from where they are is just their upper torso and their head with one arm. And you see the big propellers on their shoulders. As you open the door, Diver looks up at you and their face uh, opens and just a few bubbles come out and then they stick their head out of the water and you hear them say hey uh what what took you so long Shadlow? a little bit on the edge lately what finds you in my boat oh uh well do you mind if i come on uh permission to come aboard captain of course of course you're always welcome around here oh great careful Thanks. uh well probably never mind to imagine as much you'd want yeah no i'm i'm pretty good uh had enough of the drink as uh as you can see <laughs> um and uh diver pulls themselves out of the boat or out of the water into the boat rather and their propellers spin down and you watch as their chest kind of deflates as whatever gas they'd put in their uh flotation pockets uh is let out diver looks around at your boat and says man uh shallow has this uh this, this place always been so small it's a tugboat i'm sure there are a few ocean liners that would maybe be more suitable for your taste but it suits me fine yeah well i guess you know uh simple pleasures and all that um hey uh you is your parrot around is she around? Well, that would be a question to ask her. All right. Well, Diver strides right past you and starts looking around, and you hear him just saying, Hey, Oon! Uh, hey, Oon! It's Alween. She's around here. Alween! Oh. Uh, Alween! And uh, from on like top of the smokestack, there's just a little, Hey, hey! Looks like a dummy! Looks like a dummy! <laughs> Yep, that's uh, that's how you. Well, that, now you I love that bird. What business do you have with her? Yeah, well, oh uh, no, sorry, I just I just love that bird. I uh, I thought she'd uh, you know, I uh, I just wanted to say hi. I think she's she's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there was uh, there was this one job that I was on, that uh, I oh man, like I could have I could have absolutely used a bird like that. Just someone to uh, 
to make a distraction at the right time to to repeat a certain phrase that would have been just a key i mean we got out always do but uh it was it was a close one uh you got a good bird there i don't know much for the way of artifice but perhaps they can make you a bird or make you into a bird which would you prefer oh well i mean yeah, I, I kind of have already like a specialized set of skills, uh, like uh, these propellers. Oh, maybe they could be like, oh, maybe they could make me fly. That is a good idea. Well, um, right. Sorry. Uh, Crest sent me. Sorry. Uh, I keep getting distracted. Come again? Uh, Cress. Uh, you know, uh, Raven, Aarakocra, big black feathers. Uh, oh, yes. Works in the guffins. I'm out of my mind, but what does he want now? I got to get the the wording absolutely correct. Uh, Crest said, Shardlow, come to MacGuffins for 11 o'clock. You're meeting with the big one. Out of character, what time is it now? Uh, it's like uh, 8.30 in the morning, maybe. It's okay, pretty early. So I do have time to make it there. Absolutely, yeah. Did he say any other details or explain why it might be of interest or I have interest to them? Uh, well, I mean, I I can only assume, like, uh, I mean, I've got a certain set of skills. I'm really good in the water. I can hold my, well, I don't have to breathe, so I can just be there forever. Um, but I ain't wet behind the ears. No one, don't, don't believe that. Can I make a check to see if he is actually wet behind the ears, if he has ears? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Make a perception check. All right. That's a 25. Yeah. He, I mean, he's dripping water. He just came out of the 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 uh, the drink, and he does have, like, ear uh, canals, essentially, that to bring in sound. Well, don't be um, so hard. And they are dripping wet. Uh, it's normal for you to be wet <laughs> all over. But uh, I suppose... And he sort of, like, Charlotte looks around the boat. He probably has, like, a few deliveries and things he's supposed to be doing this day. But <laughs> he knows that this is going to be more interesting than that. So I'll just look over and go, uh, yeah, tell that bird I'll be, I'll be over. Oh, great, yeah. Oh, oh, Crest uh, did mention that uh, you'll be well paid for joining. Um but that you won't be working alone. So be prepared to work as part of a team. I know sometimes you prefer to operate solo. Just be aware you are going to be working with people. I don't know on what, though. Well, as long as they aren't too noisy, it should be fine. I mean, I I have no idea. Uh, all I know is I'm not part of it. Um, but uh, who do you think who do you think Crest means when they say the big one, the big guy? There are many large creatures in this world. I prefer not to speculate. Uh, out of character, do I know? <laughs> uh, yeah, roll an insight or an intelligence check. Perfect. I'm going to go for insight as I peer into the features of this Warforged. <laughs> uh, that's a 15. 15? Uh, you're not certain, but Cress kind of only really refers to one person as the big guy. Uh, and that would be Aloysius G. MacGuffin himself. Well, this must be something important if they're dredging the harbor for the likes of me. It's <laughs> a good one, yeah. Yeah, it took me a while to find you. You're you're up early. 
Always am. Always am. Huh. Well, uh, anyway, um, I guess I should go back to being, you know, under the water until, I mean, I, do you want me to come with you? We could chat. You know what? I think I'd rather go on my own. Oh, yeah, yeah, fair, fair. Uh, and Diver looks up at your bird uh, and actually, like, blows your bird a kiss. Um, how would uh, how would your parrot respond to being blown a kiss, do you think? I feel like Alween would be flattered, but, like, Shardlow is suspicious, even of this Warforge. <laughs> Alween, don't you go talking to strangers. Loose lips, sink ships, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Diver will, uh, walk back in and dive back under the water. Excellent. And Shardlow will sort of look very casual for, but only for about 30 seconds before beating feet. See what this is about. Perfect. As we leave Shardlow's boat in the inner Romic ward, we fly up over the walls yet again and head south to a neighborhood of brick tenement flats each shouldering each other for a few extra feet of land. The tightly packed buildings echo with the cries of children chasing each other and the occasional automobile through the streets. Many people in their their undershirts sit upon stoops, reading the newspaper and welcoming the morning with a coffee and a pipe. This is the neighborhood of Wren's Gate. And sitting on his stoop, as is customary after his evening shift, is Randall, a male dwarf in his older years once red beard now quite gray and a fairly balding head with hair cut short he is relatively short for a dwarf but uh seems pretty jovial and sitting there drinking his coffee reading the newspaper as walking down the street toby could you please describe lonlin yeah, so Lonlin is a female mountain dwarf. Um, she stands about four foot even. She has an olive complexion, uh, bright amber eyes. Uh, she is always sporting a finger-waved bob. Uh, her hair is dark brown. Is she in? Is she in casual wear? Is it like her day off, or is this more? Is she on her way to war? I think it's entirely up to you, whichever you would prefer. Yeah, she would be, I, I would imagine she's more in her casual garb, so she would be uh, sporting a pair of slacks, a pair, uh, some suspenders, a very loose button-up shirt, a pair of black shoes, nothing super fancy, but um, she's very youthful looking, she doesn't look as nearly as old as her father, but... Um, yeah, that would be lonely. Perfect. As Randall looks up and sees his lovely daughter walking towards him, he stands up uh, and says, Oh, my favorite daughter. Welcome. It's good of you to join me on this fine, beautiful day. It's so beautiful. And uh, she'll take a seat. And is there like a, another cup for her? Or is she going to have to go inside and get her own cup? There is another cup, actually. This is a pretty regular thing, and you get the sense that Randall brings out a cup just in case. Um, 
but especially on Thursdays. Perfect. Yeah, she'll pour herself a cup of coffee and uh, point to the paper and ask him, what are you reading there? Oh, just, you know, keeping up on the news. There's there's an article in here about a weird seafood thing happening down at MacGuffin's. Did you hear about that? Were you there for that? Uh, she'll look very green in the cheeks and just sort of... Uh, I... Yeah, it wasn't a great experience, and she'll just sort of try not to be a little nauseous at the reminder of how the food just crawled out of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Randall looks at you uh, kind of being quite nauseous, and he nods his head and says, right, looks like you are. Well, anyway, there's nothing much else new in the in the world. Yeah, prohibition uh, still going strong. Um, the oh, hey, did I tell you, Johnny down at the uh, at the shop, he's got a new dog. Johnny, oh, oh, wait, 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 he got a new dog. Yeah, yeah, he's got a little a little wee puppy. He found it on the street. It's a cute little. He brings it in. Oh, it's adorable. It's like I don't know, like maybe four inches from tip to tail at the moment oh he's adorable what did he name them well you know he's actually just been asking for like suggestions of names he hasn't settled it's only got him for he's only had him for two days but he's kind of flip-flopping between a few he he kind of thinks like a big like strong name is kind of fun like maybe like bruiser or or he was thinking like a duster, but I don't know. Like what it's, he's like a, he's like a little wee scrappy uh, dog always getting into things. He, he's like destroyed Johnny's workstation. It's, it's unfortunate, unfortunate actually, but um, what sort of names do you think would, would be nice for a, a little dog like that? Oh, I would have to see the little guy. I yeah. Mean... Yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll swing by and pay him a visit. Yeah, everyone down at the shop would love to see you, my girl. It has been it has been some time, and I mean you're always welcome to the poker game. It's you know it's on Saturdays. It's it's you no pressure. You don't have to come, but if you you're always welcome. They, they all love you down there. Oh, I I know. I just I feel bad constantly taking everyone's money. It's the thing. <laughs> I don't want to make everyone you know broke God. that's my girl that's my girl i love you for it i love you very much for that anyway what's what's new with you what's what's life like with you my girl i uh, nothing really new just taking odd jobs here and there and just keeping myself busy uh oh um yeah i, I guess you would already know but joey's retired now fast hands is retired Nah, yeah, he just told me not too long oh. ago. What's what's he gonna do with himself? He's gonna be bored. He's gonna yeah. be begging for work. Yeah, absolutely. That, I've never seen that guy not doing something. Hands down, he's gonna be back by Sunday. Guarantee <laughs> you. Right. Well. Uh, yeah. Well, that I thought that guy was gonna be in there for. I thought they would have to take him out in a body bag. Well, I mean, I'm glad they didn't, but... Uh... Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm, dear, I'm sorry. I just... I was just meaning more about his work ethic. 
Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but that is that is good to hear. Like, good for him. That's taking some responsibility. I mean, he's getting old. He has to start looking after himself. He's not as he's not as strong as he used to be. I know it's hard watching your friends grow old at a different rate than you. It's it's something that we'll that'll always be a constant in our in our life and. I'm sorry about that, my dear. It's, it's just how it is. I mean, elves have it worse. Yeah. And... At least we grow up at roughly the same rate, and then we just kind of stagnate. Or not stagnate, we we are preserved at, at a very youthful age, like you are, my dear. Are you calling me a pickle? <laughs> well... I have been meaning to talk to you about the smell. It's just like brine. Hang on. With... <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I don't uh, want to hear it. <laughs> um, perfect. You guys have a lovely coffee morning, uh, shooting the shit, ribbing each other. And uh, he tries to convince you to do more work with the Civic Engineer Corps. But uh, about an hour into your coffee as it's winding down anyway there's a little urchin boy who runs up to you it's a it's a a brown furred tabaxi actually comes up runs up and says oh excuse me uh excuse me um i'm looking for uh um miss iron voice oh um, that's me oh good good uh i was i was told i might be able to find you here um You've, your presence has been requested by the um, MacGuffins Incorporated Company, the offices of uh, Miss Lolly Bunsen, Executive Secretary to Alu... Al and he kind of stutters and stops for a moment, and then he says, Aloysius G. MacGuffin, today at 11 a.m. sharp. Oh, my God. And she's just going to stand up and just have like a, a moment of small panic and just look down to her father and say, I, I, I can't go in looking like this. I have to go home and change. I have to do my makeup. Oh my gosh. And she'll just start freaking out a little bit and just fanning herself. <laughs> Diddy, Diddy, it's okay. It's okay. You look lovely. You're always beautiful. You look fine. You don't You have to say that. You're my father. Yeah, no, I don't have to say that. I could tell you you looked ugly, but it would be a lie. All right. So you look fantastic. You're beautiful. You always are. You look perfect. You could show up in a paper bag and they would be lucky to have you. All right. Now just take a breath. But you got lots of time. It's only it's only 9.30. You've got an hour and a half. You can get home. You can get changed. It's all good. You, your hair is fantastic. You don't even need to touch your hair. You got this, my dear. You got okay. this. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'll I'll make this up to you. And she'll lean over and like give her dad a kiss on the cheek and just like start race. Like she's going to beeline for home to... To quickly change. And he'll just call out, I love you. you you're amazing. I love you too. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. As we follow Lonlin running back towards her home, we zoom up and we fly out of the residential area of Rensgate, almost directly due east towards the rising sun, or now risen sun, past the gleaming buildings of the Diamond District over the elegant rise of High Point and towards Fate's Square, home to the statues of the Fated Five, those heroes of the world who managed to defeat the corruption and inspired an unprecedented time of peace. South of this square, 
another series of tall towers rise from the ground, and we make our way towards the tallest of these. Gleaming in the morning light, the office tower of MacGuffins Incorporated, Adventurers for Hire, reaches 40 stories into the sky. Art Deco fan shapes atop the building glimmer in the solid gold sunlight, and waterfalls cascade down the sides of the building. We move through the revolving glass doors into the lobby of MacGuffins and see a gleaming marble floor extending into the distance, significantly larger than the outside dimensions would suggest, full of people of all shape, size, and race moving to and fro with purpose, many queuing for the bank of glass elevators that run up the inside shaft of the tower. Signs of brass beside the elevators list the many different departments within the company, and from the loudspeaker in the corner, a husky, smoke-damaged voice can be heard. Good morning, employees of MacGuffins Incorporated. It looks like it'll be another lovely day. Just a few reminders from your head of humanoid resources as we begin the day. Reminder number one, I hide my face in my hands, but in so doing, reveal the truth. I once relied upon the sun, but now I work at all times. What am I? That's right, I'm a clock. Punctuality is key to the successful operation of any business. Be sure to arrive on time. And my second riddle for you this morning. Two alabaster walls surrounding nature's bounty. A warning upon the exterior promising retribution for plunder. Defiled and consumed, the watcher's anger knows no bounds. What am I talking about? You guessed it, I'm talking about my sandwich. Yesterday, one of you depraved lunatics ate my lunch. When I find out who it was, I will destroy you. You will wish you had never heard of food, you will be so hungry. Your bowels will loosen at the mere mention of hunger, for you will know what it truly is like to crave food but not be able to eat it. You will beg for someone to give you even a scrap, a crumb, that no one will listen. You will die a slow, painful death, sustained by magic, but always hungry. So everyone, this is a reminder, please don't eat someone else's food. And as the loudspeaker turns off, we find ourselves in the infirmary of the company contains, containing many visibly upset patients upon hearing this passionate message from the head of humanoid resources. In one of the beds, recovering from a unfortunate lunch a couple of days ago, Richard, can you please describe your character? So, Cricket is cur- uh, is a uh, fairly young-looking half-elf, uh, very short as well, uh, at about roughly five six-ish. Uh, he's looking incredibly uh, both pale from the awful lunch that uh, happened to poison him, but also the terrifying uh, HR uh, manager. Cricket is uh, normally wearing very nice, uh, properly well-dressed uh, uh, suit. Um, he's got normally a, a nice fedora on. However, throughout those suits is plates of metal 
that he usually wears uh, to various missions that he wants to go on uh, as his armor. But right now, they're all hanging off to the side as he's face-first into a bucket. Oh, God. <sighs> and as you are face-first into a bucket, you hear a polite knock-knock-knock at your hospital room door. Uh, I... what is it? Uh, and you see, standing before you, a beautiful elven woman. Um who you recognize as your sister Ebium. Ah. She she looks at you and says, well, baby brother, this looks unfortunate. I'm sorry to hear about this. Hey, yeah, you're, you're telling me that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I sure showed that um, uh, other monster what's for, though. <laughs> I heard... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard... You vomited up the monster, and then it fought you somehow? Yeah. Uh, uh, it was called a seafood surprise. I thought I wanted to support the uh, the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to support the cafeteria. Pardon me. Um, she steps back as you vomit and just kind of looks down a little disgusted. Uh, she's wearing a very, very expensive outfit that you can see. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dad bought you that one too? Yes. Um, also, of course, uh, Dad and Mom don't know that I'm visiting you. Uh, oh, I you. I got the, the letter and I kept it from them. I, I know you would, wouldn't want them to think that you were sick on the job on your first week. I mean, it wasn't exactly my fault. Uh, I, 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 I helped <laughs> and, fix the problem. Of course, and would Dad see it that way? He, you see that Cricket just kind of like drops the bucket, a bit of vomit kind of uh, pours to the side. Yeah, probably not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I would normally make fun of you for being in such a state, but I do believe that it was not your fault. Um, and I actually just wanted to come and see how you're doing. It's It's been a little while. Ebium uh, kind of looks, blushes a little bit. Uh, well, thanks. I, uh, To be honest, I've kind of missed you. Um, yeah. I, how, how's mom doing? She's good. She's, you know, she, dad's at work a lot of the time and she's home alone um and uh there i i'm just saying dad's not in the house a lot of the time if you yeah yeah that sounds about right oh, yeah regardless i'm i'm happy you, you made it out here um i can i give you a bit of my uh uh other stuff did did you bring a spare change of clothes i didn't bring you a spare change of clothes but i do have a little bit of a, and you, she just kind of reaches out towards your clothes that are hanging up and just gently brushes her hand over them. And you watch as any of the food stains and dirt and sick that are on the clothes just evaporate as she runs her hand over it. Ah, uh, yeah, prestidigitation. Yeah, it's it's a useful one. It, I mean, you don't keep expensive clothes looking this good without either a lot of money or a little magic. 
Yeah. Um, I didn't bring any clothes, but, and I know you may not feel like it right now. Um, and she reaches into her very small handbag and she pulls out a paper bag. And as soon as she does, you smell just the most enticing baked aroma that you can remember. What is Cricket's favorite baked food? Uh, he'd, it's probably honestly like a nice uh, breakfast muffin. Uh, probably actually just like um, a banana and chocolate chip. Perfect. Absolutely. You smell that unmistakable aroma of bananas and hot chocolate. And uh, she holds it out and puts it out on your bedside table and says, for when you're feeling like it, a little treat. I just kind of slowly reach my hand for it. I'm too weak. I gotta have it now. (laughs) All right. Thank you. And she just, she watches you like reach for it and you see her face goes from smiling to angry to smiling again as she kind of like just wrestles with the fact that her younger half brother has pretty much no self-control. Um, now I had one last thing I wanted to ask you. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you left you left in a bit of a huff um i just i wanted to make sure that you were all right do you need anything um are you okay for money do you have a place to stay i mean if you could convince uh dad and the, the rest of them to uh to maybe you know avoid the um uh, one of their vacation houses that would honestly be perfect for me oh uh i've i heard the one that is in um Parkside. I heard that one is leaking a little bit and uh, should likely be avoided. Uh, uh, why would it be leaking? I I don't know, but I mean, I think there are just so many other priorities for Dad at the moment. I can't imagine that fixing up one of the vacation homes when we're out of the season would be a top priority. I'm sure. Although it's leaking, it'll probably just be ignored for at least another month or two. You see Cricket just kind of quickly puts in a, a, a another like large bite of muffin and just kind of gives a wink to Ebium. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, water damage is never something pretty to look at. And you know Dad, he likes pretty things to look at. Oh, he does. And she kind of fingers the clothes that she's wearing. Uh, and you see she looks very proud to be wearing such nice clothes, but also not happy to be doing so. She's a bit of a contradiction. Yeah, Ebium, don't worry. Once I once I start hitting it big, I'll get <laughs> us all out of there. Yeah, of course. Um, and this new hitting a big scheme is... Adventuring! Oh, of course, adventuring. Yes, that. I, there's, that got, there's plenty of opportunities. I mean, just look at that... Um, I, I, Aloysius guy. He's a bard like me. Yes, that is... <laughs> he is a bard. I will give you that. He is a bard. Uh, I know Colleges of Swords isn't a, a good major normally, but I really think it's like the new thing. I know lores, everyone wants a lore bard, but if you got a College of Swords bard, you're gonna have um, a bit more oomph. <laughs> I'm sure whatever party takes me and will love me. Yeah, I'm, I hope. And she 
looks at you with quite wide eyes and then she just says I'm sure they will love you um, and as she uh, says her goodbyes and turns to leave uh, you hear the like very loud footsteps coming down the corridor um, and you hear where where is he what, what room is Andrew in please oh Jed uh, you should probably get going sister it's nice seeing you again yeah uh, of course and she runs out and uh, you see this Luxodon, this elephant person marching down the hallway and he walks right past your door without noticing you at first. Um, and he's big and built and even his trunk is rippling with muscles. He's basically the rock meets Babar or if you'll allow it, John C. Nelephant. <laughs> huh? ah. um, I accept that. All right, perfect. And Chedris walks past and you hear him excuse me uh, nurse i'm looking for andrew Uh, he goes by cricket uh which room and you just hear actually like quite a soft voice you can't actually understand but you get the sense that this nurse is probably telling chedris exactly where you are uh do you try to hide or anything you know uh i'm going to try and stealth out of there i'm going to uh, quickly grab my my nice suit uh, now that it's finally been cleaned after the, after the first time in weeks, um, and I am going to try and look for that place where um, Salem usually is to hide away. Perfect. Uh, make a stealth check to try to get out of this room. Oh, that's a natural <laughs> one. <laughs> I am decent at stealth. I promise. You like. You hear Chedris, you try to get out of your bed as quickly as possible, and it's almost like a Marx Brothers routine. You step out of the bed, you step into the bucket of sick that you had accidentally put down on the ground, you trip over that bucket, uh, you fall into your metal-plated armor, and it just makes this god-awful racket as it comes falling to the ground. And when you look back up at the door, you just see this big John Cena elephant guy uh, standing there with his hands on his hips and just looking at you hello chad andrew welcome welcome i'm good to see that you are recovered and well enough to be getting out of bed that's good i would expect nothing less from someone in recovery yeah um you know what i'm feeling much better now uh, how about I start going up to that uh, to finish that first assignment? That yes, that... yes. Um, uh, to that end, uh, there will be time to finish that paperwork later. There, there will always be time to catch up on paperwork. There will always be time to catch up on paperwork. But, um, I have come down as your supervisor to inquire after your health and to pass on a message for you. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, what's the message? You have been called to Lolly Bunsen. Uh, uh, she's the executive secretary of Aloysius McGuffin. Uh, you have been called to her office today at 11 a.m. You have one hour to get there. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, he just kind of like suddenly starts uh, 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 turning red and just like like uh, his eyes go wide. Oh, right there. Um, I don't know where I'm going. Right, uh, top floor, uh, and then there's a there's an executive elevator from the top floor to the offices. 
I'm sure you can find your way, but but Salem is in the the bullpen, as you were, if uh, if you wanted to go with Salem. You know, I think I can do this on my own. I gotta I gotta prove myself something. Good, that's the spirit. Now, speaking of proving yourself, I just wanted to mention there is, of course, the small matter of the debt you owe me. Uh, yeah. How much uh, debt we talking? Well, once this mission or talk or whatever it is is finished with the head of the company, I will, I would like you to undergo a little bit of undercover work to fix the mess you made. Oh, uh, right. You know yes. what, though? I think that'll be fun. It is not fun. It is a serious ac- uh, activity. Yeah, we, yeah, serious. In, in recovery, we are we are serious. We we work hard. We work out to make sure we are in peak physical form, both mentally and physically. Uh, and you see, as he's saying this, he's basically flexing his trunk. Um, and it seems like it's a subconscious thing that he's just doing. He's just flexing his trunk, doing essentially curls with it, uh, but doesn't have a weight in his trunk. Now, you will be representing recovery, uh, the entire recovery department, with your meeting today. So, Andrew, please be on your best behavior. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, and um, take the bucket off of your foot, and he just turns and starts walking, stomping down the hallway. You know, I was thinking about keeping it on as a fashion <laughs> statement. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll take it off and I'll start trying to find my way up. Perfect. Awesome. As we follow Cricket as he takes the elevator, he gets into one elevator and he starts riding it up. And as we get about midway up the tower, we come to a dark, heavy oaken door. And written in gold lettering above the door, you just see the words records. And we move into a vast library, a a trove of information, of books and parchment. We move forward through it. Uh, We see vast stacks and catalogs with a whole bunch of lore and information, some artifacts in records as well. But mostly this is all paperwork. And... We get to the very end of the records room and we see an office, an office door with a glass window in the doorway. It is a very fancy door, very beautifully made though. And sitting outside of the door, Emily, would you please describe Lisette? Right. Um, so Lizette is a half elf. She's on the taller side of being a half elf. She's got sort of curly brown hair that was once tied in a very neat bun, but has since sort of fallen into bits. Um, there's lots of curls kind of over her face, um, sort of half up, half down. Um, she's got exceptionally pale skin to the point where you can kind of see. Uh, they should be blue veins, but they're siding on gray in some areas. She's wearing a sort of uh, 
what was once a normal sweater but has sort of been torn up and stretched out. There's a lot of like holes where the knitting has been uh, pulled apart a little bit and sort of wearing just like usual little loafers. She's got black irises, no, black scleras and like almost glowing green irises. And just like the biggest, nerdiest glasses you could possibly imagine. Awesome. And what is she doing as she's sitting outside of Frank DeLuna's office? I figure she's got a, uh, a notebook in hand and she's just scrawling rapidly. It's in every language. Like the, it won't make any sense if you read it. It would like it's switching between like common and infernal and sylvan and celestial, just sort of scrawling in a thousand different alphabets, kind of rocking back and forth. <laughs> awesome. You've been out there for about 20 minutes. Uh, you were called to a meeting with Frank DeLuna, and as soon as you arrived, he asked you to wait for 20 minutes exactly. At 20 minutes on the dot, I'm gonna bang on his door, <laughs> and you hear. Uh, Frank say, is that thank you? Very prompt, come in. And uh, as you open the door, you see a slender uh, human man with only a very small paunch. He's got quite a wiry build, uh, but it's not so much maybe muscle. It maybe looks maybe like he just doesn't eat often. Um, He's wearing a gray sweater vest over a white shirt and a black tie, all of which looks meticulous. Uh, his gray hair is cropped short and combed absolutely immaculately. Um, and as you come in, he's taken his glasses off and is wiping them with a pristine white handkerchief. that uh, please have a seat. Thank you for coming and thank you for waiting and showing that you can still count time properly. Deluna, what is this about? And I'm going to crawl over the back of the chair and kind of like crouch in it. Oh. Like a bird. He, you see him like as you do this, uh, he just closes his eyes for a moment. Right. Lisette, you have been back with the company for five days now and you have yet to provide a substantive and cohesive narrative for your absence. I have questions as your supervisor. I don't quite know how to say this without losing my mind, but I was trapped in an eldritch hellscape for a year. Sorry if it's taking me a while to describe the horrors as to what I was subjected to, Frank. Lisette, please. This is a place of knowledge and facts. This is not a place for emotion. Now, I have received a memo from Humanoid Resources that as your direct supervisor, I must ensure that you feel supported emotionally and welcomed back to the company so if i haven't said it yet welcome back to the company and thank you your emotional needs 
are of the utmost importance to MacGuffins Incorporated and to me. Always a charmer, aren't you, Frank? Yes. That is part of the reason I have brought you in here. You were brought in, you were hired in spite of your charm. This The records are not a room for charm. Records are room for knowledge and diligent hard work. And charm, frankly, gets in the way. And it is only because of your exceptional intellect that I bothered to put up with the charming aspect of your personality. Well, thank you. And if it were up to me, I do not feel that since you have returned, you have retained the qualities I enjoyed so much at the beginning, and I would let you go, but it is not up to me. Well, it's not up to anyone, really. No, it. this is a company. It is very much up to someone, but unfortunately that someone, even though I am the undersecretary to the Director of Information, that someone is not I. So... So what do you want? While I do not believe that you were in some eldritch hellscape, as you put it, I also can offer no further explanation for your whereabouts for the last year. And I have been told to accept that. And I am sure you understand that that is not something that I can do easily. You say that like I have any stake in how you feel about me. Whether or not you believe me, it is actually, actually, you know what? It is actually stupid of you not to believe me. It is, it is, it is utterly in disregard for everything that you stand for, that you do not believe me when I say that I was trapped in a shadow realm or something for a year when, first of all, look at my eyes. Just look, just look. Look at what that stupid place did to my eyes. What? Do you have any other scholarly intellectual explanation for it? As you start insulting his intelligence, you see he takes off his glasses again and starts wiping them, like, obsessively and really fast. And the more you insult him, the faster he's wiping. You see, you cannot imagine what I've been through. And I don't give a shit if you like me or not. But we are here for the same reason. And I would appreciate it if you let me handle this on my own. And he takes a breath and then puts his glasses back on. Um, and he looks at you, uh, but he is conspicuously avoiding your gaze directly. Right, so... I believe that we have actually, there is a solution at hand that will actually solve both of these problems. I will no longer need to offer you emotional support that, as we have seen, I am unable to do properly, which is a failing on my part and one I do take seriously. Now the other aspect is that I do not have to put up with your lack of the love of organization you since your return you've you've lost that work ethic that really that made you stand out from the rest but there is a solution at hand and you are 
correct for calling me on my emotional and my emotional needs. You are right, that is not your place as my employee to worry about how I feel. Something that I believe will be beneficial is time away from the archives, time away from us interacting and a chance for you to explore whatever it was that has happened to you. You have been called to meet with Lolly Bunsen today at 11 a.m. sharp. Why? I do not know exactly. I've unfortunately not been given privied access. But I believe it is something to do with the events of two days ago over lunch. The unfortunate seafood surprise events. And my believe that your change in personality and abilities has been noted not only by myself, but by those with more power. I see. So, I'm being transferred. Yes, you are being transferred, at least temporarily. All right. I'm, is, is there a desk in, in between us? There is, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to crawl over the desk. He, like, leans back to try to avoid you. I'm going to lean in as close as he'll let me. Frank, with my absence from the archives, if you so much as make Yvonne cry, if you, if you use any of this emotionless bit that you've got going on on her if you so much as hurt her feelings i will find out every deep dark secret about you that i can and i can do that now i have that ability now and i will use it to ruin you it's been a pleasure working with you and then i'm gonna leave (laughs) (laughs) awesome uh as you close the door behind you the library hallway in front of you is not the same as when you went into the library into his office oh not again you see a library that seems to be stretching on forever and as you turn around there's no doorway behind you it's another hallway stretching to forever and you're at an intersection and to your left and right there are also infinite hallways going in each direction are you kidding me as you say that you see Out of one of the areas that you weren't initially looking when you first said that, you see a figure appear. A figure wearing a gray suit with a trilby hat, uh, who appears to be looking away from you, but is about 100 feet to your right. Do I know this figure? Yes, you absolutely do. Uh, This is a silent one. (laughs) Is there anything around me that I can throw? I mean, there's shelves of books. I'm going to grab, like, the near- the nearest, heaviest book I can find on one of the shelves, and I'm going to chuck it at the at the silent one. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, roll an attack for me. Um, it's an improvised weapon. Are you proficient with improvised weapons? I am not. Okay. Uh, yeah, roll an attack with dexterity. Um, <laughs> you know what? Add your proficiency bonus. It's a book. You're a freaking librarian. 
You know how to throw a book? Ah, uh, yes, librarians infamously known for throwing books. Absolutely, yeah. They're All the right. wildest. Yeah. That is a 14. A 14. Yeah. Uh, your book flies and uh, hits the silent one in the back of their head. And the silent one stops. They stand up straight. And you see their head rotate around 180 degrees, but their body remains facing the other direction. And you see a entirely blank void. There's just flat skin where a face should be. And as this silent one turns around, it begins moving towards you like its body is moving backwards but its head is facing towards you and as it begins to pick up speed uh, you find yourself back in the MacGuffin's records hall again god damn it I'm gonna like as best I can I'm going to like try to adjust my sweater but it is essentially the rattiest thing on the planet um, as I start to make my way up to the uh the top floor perfect awesome and one floor directly above the records hall we come to what chedras referred to as the bullpen but what most people would describe as cubicle hell the home of the recovery unit this work area is full to bursting with papers and notices and stacks of research and a whole bunch of whiteboards with scribbles on it and those like pictures and maps with red lines connecting them uh this is a busy clacking place with typewriters whirring and paper airplanes flying through the air some of them thrown some of them animated um and sitting at their desk in cubicle hell uh craig can you please describe salem salem is looking utterly bored with the surroundings <laughs> and and is just occasionally swatting a paper airplane out of the air as it flies over top of their head they are a uh, non-binary human and are clad in a deep brown overcoat worn over a striking white and silver shirt with far too many ruffles they have very tight pants on and a messenger bag slung over one shoulder and are just leaning back in their chair, filing their nails and waiting for something interesting to happen. Awesome. As you are filing your nails, one of those paper airplanes uh, flies towards you and looks like it's about to come towards your head. Do you want to try to catch it? I would prefer to swat it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just make a dexterity saving throw. Sure. Yeah. That's going to be a 17. 17. Absolutely. You swat this paper airplane out of the air, and then it refolds itself into an origami person. And this origami person uh, looks up towards you and then uses one of its folded arms, points to itself, points to you, and then points back to itself. Uh, I really wish we could figure out a better way to deliver these messages. <laughs> Fine. And as you say that, the origami figure puts its hands on its chest and just kind of like stomps its foot. Uh, it doesn't make any noise because it's paper, but uh, it seems like it's frustrated that you're frustrated. Salem leans in close towards it and eyes it. 
and whispers just under their breath, Don't make me get out the water. <laughs> um, the origami uh, instantly just unfolds itself into a piece of paper. Ah, much better. Uh, and you see written in a very neat hand a memo, an interoffice memo from Glenn, from Glenrith, asking that you come and meet them as soon as you are able. Well, I suppose if I don't hop to it, nothing else will get done. And I'll quickly file down the rest of my nails and pop over to meet Glenn. Perfect. Uh, yeah, you go to the big office, has a big north-facing window looking towards the cliffs with the name Glenrith Haplos on the door. You know Glenn is a non-binary fearbolg uh, who is the director of recovery and is a very, very diligent worker. I will rap solidly upon the door, just a, a quick... Hey, come on in. Uh, is that Salem? Yes, Glenn, my dear. What can I do for you? And you see a seven-foot-tall, well-muscled but slender... Fearbolg, wearing a gray business suit and a fedora, uh, but his suit jacket is currently thrown over the back of his chair, and he's got his sleeves rolled up. All right. Uh, thanks for coming in, Salem. How are you? Oh, just fine. Thanks for asking. And how about yourself? I'm I'm very well, thank you. I uh, I called you in. I've got a couple of things for you. First of all. Going to let you know that you're being sent up to Lolly Bunsen's office, uh, Executive Secretary, to this oh, uh, Yes. I don't know the exact details, but I gather it's to do with uh, Tuesday's lunch. No surprise there. Yeah. As you know, a lot of our, a lot of our field operatives are kind of out of commission at the time. So hoping that maybe, maybe this means a little bit of excitement for you. My second thing, and this is a little bit more of a personal matter. Your, uh, have you been in contact with your mother anytime recently? Not recently, no. And Salem's eye just kind of twitches. She's a lawyer, obviously, and she often represents kind of the uh, the underrepresented. Do you know what she's working on these days? Uh, I'm afraid I don't. I've been rather delinquent in visiting dear old Mumsy. Good. Then it probably won't be too much of a conflict of interest to know that she is, in fact, suing MacGuffins at the moment. Oh, and what's it about this time? Well, a couple months ago, we sent some operatives out towards Hastor. There was a there was an angry dragon out that way, who had a, well they we'd been hired to recover an artifact that the dragon had stolen, but, you know dragons don't really like having their things stolen. We didn't we didn't kill the dragon. We don't need to. We just took what was rightfully someone else's and returned it, to them, but unfortunately the dragon exacted retribution on the farmers in the neighboring area, and burnt several fields, so. Uh, your mother has taken the case on behalf of the farmers. Would it be appropriate for me to say that that serves MacGuffin's Inc. right? Yeah, it, you know, it probably 
I mean, it's fair. I, it, it does, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes. no, it's like we should definitely pay. I think it's... I mean, who keeps sending out these amateurs? Like, quite honestly, if we're going to send someone out, they ought to be someone who knows that you don't just pilfer things from dragons without leaving some evidence that it was someone else. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, hey, Salem, that is why you are on, like, that is why you're one of my top people. But, uh, hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. I have to actually swallow the uh, the pill of I'm the one who sent that team out. So, Glenn. It, yeah, I know. Um, but you're right. No, we, we should have figured something else out. To be honest, I was kind of hands off. I just sent the team and asked them to recover it. I didn't actually give them any further instructions so that is kind of on that is on me you're right well i suppose i forgive you let's just not let it happen again shall we yeah of course um i just wanted to check with you that's not is that gonna cause issues amongst your family gods no no i keep them at arm's length for a reason at least everyone but dear sis um if Mother is suing MacGuffin's Inc., that won't be a problem for me. Good. I just I just wanted to make sure that's not going to affect your performance. Um, we're not going anywhere near it. I just wanted you to know in case it came up at the dinner table, if you were at the dinner table. Well, I do appreciate your forewarning, but no, it shan't be a problem. Okay. Oh, uh, Ched said in his regard um, as well, um, he... Uh, I'm not certain if you if you've met the new guy, uh Cricket. Yes, yes. Rather clever little fellow. Yeah. Well, um I mean, I guess you'll get a chance to see. You'll uh, you'll be meeting with him. He's meeting with uh with Lolly at the same time as you. So Excellent. Yeah. Um I would the only thing is uh Ched wanted me to mention that as the senior recovery officer, it's your job to make sure Cricket stays in line. Mm. You're representing the uh, the unit, and Ched feels a little worried that Cricket is inexperienced. You know, I get the feeling Cricket's going to do just fine, and Ched probably doesn't need to stick his trunk into my business. I know how to do my job. I don't tell him how to do his. Although I suppose those papers should probably get done at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure he would appreciate it. Uh, paperwork makes the... Well, I was going to say makes the dream work, but no, no one likes paperwork. I hate paperwork. But it's still, it's a necessary thing. It needs to get done. So, uh, anyway, you're, uh, you've been summoned. Maybe this means some field work. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Of course. I certainly shall. Been stuck behind a desk for far too long. That little fracas in the lunchroom the other day was... Well... (laughs) It was a nice break, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, maybe don't say that too loud. A lot of people uh, didn't enjoy themselves as much as you. A lot of them are still down in the infirmary. Well, then they should know better than to eat seafood surprise. <laughs> That's quite all them, isn't it? That all right? That fair. That is a very fair point, Salem. You are absolutely accurate. Yes, 
Absolutely. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, one finds food elsewhere, such as sandwiches and what have you. Salem winks. <laughs> Glenn looks at you for a moment and then just kind of cracks a grin. Uh, says, yeah, I mean, people leave sandwiches lying around all over. I know. It's, it's really, it's quite their fault, in all honesty. <laughs> if they weren't such tasty, delicious sandwiches... Wouldn't be a problem, but when the alternative is seafood surprise, and there's this wonderful mayonnaise-covered egg salad sandwich with lettuce and Dijon mustard, and oh, it was delicious. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, um, I'm sure you yes. mean it would be delicious. Yes, if you were to come. Cross of course. Like yes, yes, yes. Uh, exactly. You catch my drift. Now, um, a meeting up on the top. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, have fun, Salem. Thank you, Glenn. And I did mean it. As much as I would prefer to avoid the dinner table, I do have to go back occasionally. And if we could just avoid the slip-ups in the future, it would make my life so much easier. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, it would make my life easier, too. I don't have to then explain to someone higher up why a whole village got burned. And... But I suppose it's not your fault if HR hires incompetence. Yeah, I guess. that You know, that's a good point. It is HR's fault. Yeah, I'm going to... Uh, okay, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry, I can't pass the buck. I'm, no, it's, it's all right. HR has been um, suitably punished already, I'm sure. <laughs> all right, get out of here before you say something that you actually really shouldn't say. Of course, Glenn. Salem winks, pats him on the shoulder, and departs the office. Perfect. Awesome. We come up the main central shaft following Salem's elevator. Salem gets off at the top floor, enters the executive elevator, and comes to a beautiful waiting room uh, with four other people. Uh, or actually, maybe not. Who would arrive first? I, I mean, I guess probably uh, uh, Cricket, because he was the, the first one there. I'll be, he's probably still got stuck for a little while before venturing off towards the, the, the right location. Perfect. Yeah, so eventually all of you find your way to this beautiful waiting area. Um, and right at 11 o'clock on the dot, is anybody late? Uh, uh, Lonlin might be just because she's huffing at home, putting on her plate, <laughs> grabbing, like polishing everything, and then booking it down. So. Yeah, Charlotte's making a beeline there. He's going to be most likely on time, but probably not the first one, given we already have a lot of people actually in the building. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so as you are all there, uh, minus Lonlin at 11 o'clock sharp uh, the door into the inner office opens and just as that door opens ding the elevator doors open and Lonlin uh, emerges into the waiting room I'm so, so sorry <laughs> she's like red in the cheeks glistening because she's doing sweat um, yeah she's like fully clad in armor now it looks very ornate um like violet covered, uh, colored fabric, uh, sword and shield, of course, and she'll just 
act like she's meant to be there, but also sort of still heavily breathing. <laughs> You're all right there, miss. Oh, yeah, I just... Don't you ever go for jogs in your full plate? Can't say that I do, but I imagine that would be a very tiring experience. Not the best decision. Honestly, I prefer to avoid this stuff altogether. A good stress reliever. Going for a jog in full plate? Y yeah. I suppose you boil it all out of yourself. A lot of heavy lifting. I'd be right tired afterwards. Let's just go in. Of <laughs> <laughs> course. After all of you. Going on a walk in? <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you see a beautiful, uh, beautiful office. It is half of a circle essentially uh your waiting area kind of took out like a horseshoe section of it but then to either side there are these curving windows that are looking out over the city of new republica uh there's a big wall uh dividing what you assume would be an actual circle and uh sitting in front of this wall at a desk is a fairly elderly uh quite heavily wrinkled portal uh she is wearing half moon spectacles on a gold chain around her head around her neck um and as she stands up when you enter you see that she's wearing a skirt suit uh with a necklace of pearls um uh she has quite a large shell and she actually seems to be hunching which actually seems to exaggerate the size of the shell well, hi everyone, thanks for coming up. Absolutely a pleasure to be here. Anyway, can I get your name? My name's Cricket. <laughs> uh, perfect. Uh, yeah. Uh, you ask for her name, uh, and she smiles, a uh, wrinkled turtle smile, and she just gestures at the, the nameplate on her desk, which you see says Lolly Bunsen. Executive Secretary to Aloysius G. McGuffin. Well, Mr. Cricket, as you can see, my name is Lolly Bunsen. Can I ask what this is about? And, Miss Lisette, what this is about? Well, y'all impressed us on Tuesday. It was, uh, well, it was quite an unexpected turn, and the three, well, the five of you, eventually, all really rose to the to the occasion, as it were. I dare say the chef did impress us. Speak uh, for yourself. Why exactly us? Ah, well, most of the other field agents or operatives that we have unfortunately did consume some of the seafood surprise and it has had an ill effect for many of them and we find ourselves short-staffed i was very impressed to hear the report of the way you five worked together well i mean we are pretty impressive <laughs> you Wait, are so we weren't First choice, we were second, and she'll look a little hurt. 
Oh, Miss Longland, I apologize. It's not so much a second choice as a a new opportunity has arisen, and we thought we would put your well, your newfound teamwork to the test. Um, a new contract has come in, and we would normally send one of the regular guard units, but it has been unfortunately especially taxing on the guards themselves well isn't that just a damn shame yeah I suppose that leaves us as the solution then indeed that is exactly how we like to think about it it is not so much a second choice or a, a lesser option it is more just a new option and frankly one that Mr. McGuffin and myself are both exceptionally excited to witness. Miss Lizette, I would inquire, um, you were absent for a year, and I have read the reports, and I wanted to ask if you felt up for field work. Uh, you can see that Lizette is, like, really frustrated with how slow this woman is speaking. Like, almost <laughs> vibrating and, like, just anxious. Um, well, I suppose I don't have too much of a choice here, but I feel like I could probably muster up something. I, I just, I'm very confused as to why I'm here. She's in full armor, and these two over here look pretty spry to me. I... And she gestures to herself. I'm pretty sure I'm 90 pounds soaking wet. I, I don't know how books are going to be of, of any use to you. Well, you never know what you'll need to research, what kind of clues might be found. And having, having someone with a facility with the written word and with languages is always a benefit. In addition to that, the reports from Tuesday's lunchtime counter, they imply that you are significantly more than merely a librarian. Yeah, you kind of blew something up. I was a little uh, out of uh, vision, but I heard a massive explosion. I, I think there's a bit more than meets the eye to that. I think it's just an explosion. It's not that much different than any bomb. Minus the whole getting covered in seafood surprise part. If we could avoid that next time. Don't remind me. Yes. I've been picking it out of my hair for... Might have to retire that way. And the smell. Yes. I would say that I hope that I have not been hired based on my maritime expertise. I would rather not see that again. Or... No, as far as I am aware, seafood surprise is behind us. And that particular artifact has been locked away and well documented as to it is part as to its particulars so i have asked you all to meet me here now some of you may have been told that you are meeting mr mcguffin himself and i I'm unfortunately sad to rep to report that Mr. McGuffin 
also had some of the seafood surprise and is not up for company these days. Cricket just like visibly deflates after that. <laughs> Lonlin looks soul crushed. She looks so defeated and just slumps. <laughs> uh, Lolly looks around at all of you looking defeated and says, Now, come on now. I am his executive secretary. If anything passes through this office, it passes through me first. I am your first point of contact. And I am sure upon successful completion of this mission, Mr. MacGuffin would be happy to shake your hands individually. And inflate. Well then, <laughs> all right. So what do we got to be doing anymore now? What's our, what's our task? We got the team. We got the know-how. Now what do we got to do? Well, it seems that one of the nighttime jazz singers around these parts has been receiving threatening letters and is requesting the aid of MacGuffins Incorporated to protect her life. Oh my gosh, yeah. No, we would be so perfect for that. What, what was what was the singer's name? And she'll just kind of lean against the counter. <laughs> uh, the singer's name is Miss Winnie Gale. Uh, W-I-N-N-I-E space G-A-L-E. Would I know who she is? Uh, anybody who feels like they might know anything about the nightlife uh, can make uh, history or intelligence or any sort of check that they would like, really. Whatever they feel would be appropriate. Yes, history for me. Well, I got a flat 10. Oof, <laughs> not one. Not oh, one. For me. Uh, 29? Wow. Uh, was that a 29 from Emily? What? Oh my yeah. god. So, uh, yeah. History. Um, Emily, you've been gone from New, New Republica for over a year, but Winnie Gale was a big name even before you left. Um, and Lonlin. You have also heard of Winnie Gale. In fact, you've had the pleasure of seeing a few of her shows. Uh, Winnie is an incredibly charismatic, uh, very successful singer. Um, and uh, with a 29, you know that uh, Winnie kind of came out, came onto the scene almost from nothing two and a half years ago, was discovered just singing on the street and has now become one of the most sought-after performances of the entire city. And I think as well with a 29, you know that two years ago, uh, she was dating someone named Patty O'Malley, who is a small-time criminal. Uh, he's part of the Vereen family, and as such, Winnie got quite a big of a a um a foothold in the nightlife which is operated by the Vereen family. Would I know anything about the Vereen family specifically? Um yeah, um Salem especially would probably know a lot as would Charlotte. Uh the Vereen family is one of the three major players in the in the like criminal life of New Republica. They control um, 
pretty much anything that might uh, cater to a vice. Uh, they make their money mostly through speakeasies and underground casinos. What you would know, probably that's about most like what most people would know. If anybody would like to try to know some more, they could definitely make a history roll. Always. <laughs> curious about this as well. Especially like what the actual crime families are. May I make that roll with advantage, given Salem's background? Absolutely, you may. Thank you. Yeah. That is a 25. 25? Nothing worth writing home about from Salem. Yeah, that's an 11 from Charlo. Okay, cool. Uh, with a 25, the other thing that you know, uh, it's actually relatively new. Uh, and you were, it's just something that you happened to come, upo- come across in the records uh, in the last couple of days, is that recently there have been rumors of a rival family muscling in on the territory of the Vereen. Um there is a fourth family uh, called House Othatis, which in other cities kind of fills the place of House Vereen. And while nothing has actually directly tied any of that muscling in or like raids being called on certain speakeasies, nothing is tying that directly to House Othatis. It is speculated by some of the research people of MacGuffin's that this is maybe a bit of a power move from the fourth crime family trying to get some more territory. All right. So y'all are just going to keep looking at your books or something? Or uh, <laughs> you, you want to share with the class? I just... I, I, I want to get to it. If this girl is as uh, popular as, uh, as you're saying and, and in danger, we should hop to it. We should probably narrow down where we want to search first. Well... Uh, Miss Gale has requested that whoever MacGuffin sends meets her at Irene's tea house today at 4 p.m., which is probably the best place to start. Ooh, Irene's. I haven't been there in quite some time. This calls for a bit of a dress up. Mm-hmm. What if, oh, what, what if we get the job done and we get passes to all of her shows what if she wants to be friends with us? And Longlin is just going to start babbling like an excited schoolgirl about this woman, and just like, yeah, yeah. I feel like Cricket just gets uh, accidentally absorbed into that and just gets a little awkward. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll be friends. Uh, we'll be back backstage. Let's not get ahead of ourselves yeah. yet, friends. I mean, of course. After all, first we've got to actually save Ms. Gale. Of course, we're going to save her. Well. Uh, there's no question about that. Then let's hop to it, right? Yes. Oh, do I have to change again? Oh. <laughs> and with that, we're going to take a little bit of a break. The Dirty Twenties Podcast is brought to you by Splendid Sabrina's Sorceress Sweets. Want to chew gum that both tastes like cinnamon and gives you fire breath? Maybe your predilections run more towards licorice cigars that actually smoke. Or perhaps you want a caramel so sweet your teeth fall out of your mouth. 
Visit Splendid Sabrina's Sorcerer's Suites in the Glitter Drop. Use the promo code DIRTY20s to receive a free collapsing candy cane. Perfect for sweetening your walk, whether you want a delicious treat or a mobility assist. Splendid Sabrina's Sorcerer's Suites. So sweet, it's magic. We are also sponsored this week by Cole Pepper's Cure All. Do you sometimes find yourself exhausted after breathing in a poisonous cloud? Have you lost a limb to the toothy maw of a roper? Perhaps you want to improve your chances of getting that lucky roll at the craps table. Try Culpepper's Cure-All, the only salve you'll ever need. Just rub this on the affected area and wham, presto, that pesky flesh rot is gone. Ask about it at your local apothecary and remember, Culpepper's, it really does cure all. Culpepper's Cure-All is not medically or clinically proven to be effective. Use of Culpepper's Cure-All is entirely voluntary and it should be used only as a moisturizer or pampering cream for pet rats. Culpepper's Cure-All doesn't actually cure anything and the Culpepper's brand is not liable for any injuries, magical explosions, or death resulting from the use of their product. Known potential side effects include death, undeath, rebirth, re-rebirth, reincarnation as a slug, slugs coming out of your ears, hives, beehives, itchiness, inability to stop dancing, explosions, implosions, implications, the inability to say anything except in rhyme, uncontrolled rage, uncontrolled rage, petrification, levitation, skin rash, rash, skin, spontaneous loss of skin, change in hair color, change of creature type, gaining the ability to grant wishes, gaining the ability to teleport, losing the ability to teleport, becoming a cat, believing you're a cat, but in actuality you're still a human, but now you refuse to wear clothes and you insist on walking around on all fours and knocking bowls off of counters for no reason whatsoever. Gas. So try Cole Pepper's Cure All today. Welcome back from break, everyone. Uh, full disclosure to our audience, uh, due to some unforeseen technical difficulties, we are recording this a couple weeks later, and you will notice that my voice is much more sibilant. And for that, I apologize. And there's nothing I can do about it, so you're stuck with it. Um, yeah, we took his teeth hostage. We'll give him back after. Yeah, we they swear. wanted to ensure that the like any combat that comes up goes in their favor so they actually pinned me down and like pulled two of my teeth um no they, they didn't we're observing social distancing so you know they just did that figuratively not actually all right uh so you guys just because we are coming back from two weeks are in lolly bunsen's office and i've just been told that you are going to be protecting a jazz singer known as winnie gale what would you guys like to do? I say we should go ahead and meet this fine young woman. You know what? I, I kind of agree with all that. Uh, that's the wrong voice. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, uh, Kieran. Two weeks. <laughs> I'm just going to figure out my voice there real quick. One second. <laughs> I mean, quite frankly... The way I feel about it is that uh, we should probably make our way straight down towards her if the threat's that dire. No need to wait around. Whereabouts would we find this young lady? You are gonna meet Miss Gale at Irene's tea house. Uh, I believe Salem was familiar with the locale. 
Yes, I know where to find it. Not too much of an issue there. And I believe uh, Lonlin was quite excited about the possibility of... Um, what was it? Lonlin befriending Winnie? It's Winnie Gale. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh, what, Winnie to her yeah. friends, I'm sure. But She's like vibrating at this point. <laughs> I wonder if I could get a few notes, actually. Like, from someone obviously that amazing, I gotta, ha I gotta like, uh, compare uh, songs and all that stuff. It, it, it's a bad thing. Uh, anyway, I, I agree. We should probably head there right away. But um, uh, maybe we should also do a bit of a stakeout. Look around the place, make sure uh, no, one, uh, no one else is casing the joint. Is she expecting us? I can't imagine a bunch of strangers staring in at her through the window would be quite welcome unless she was aware we were friends. Well, she did contact the MacGuffins Incorporated Company, so I'm sure she is expecting someone. Whether she is expecting y'all, uh, she's on. I don't actually know if she is expecting y'all entirely. We did say that a team of five would be coming, but that is about all we communicated. Well, that seems quite reasonable. Yeah, then perhaps uh, let's just head on out. Uh, Salem, you know the way, right? Sure do, yes. Give me a moment to grab my things and uh, we can be right on the way. Just keep an eye out. Uh, Cricket, you you'd mentioned... Casing the joint, I think that was the term you used. Yeah, I, I used to do that a little bit uh, back before I was a part here. Um, but I, I can kind of do that a little bit. Uh, if you want me to kind of go ahead, I can uh, uh, scout around a little bit, do some of that stuff. That seems like it might be a worthwhile choice. The Vereen are um, uh, not the kindest sorts, and if poor Miss Gale is wrapped up in an affair with them, then, well, couldn't hurt our chances of success to ensure that the Vereen aren't skulking about in the shadows. Just as a quick point of order, you would know that uh, the Vereens also run pretty much all the speakeasies. So yep. they are very likely... They not, very likely yeah. are skulking about in the shadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but not, you know, not in a uh, attacking Winnie sort of way. So course, that, yeah. that's fine. They can they can yeah. skulk about in the shadows all they want as long as they're serving liquor in the shadows. <laughs> I mean, most awesome. people are inclined towards having dark vision, so I suppose the choice to be lit is just about being a bit more inclusive for their clientele. Yes, I suppose. Not too much of a problem with shadows myself. So. Do we need anything else? Any more information? Any of the oh, rest of you need some gear? There's uh, one thing I almost forgot is that, and you see Lolly reaches into her desk and she pulls out a satchel. And from the satchel, she pulls five little vials. And she says, oh, as employees of MacGuffins, we make sure that Y'all can come home safely, so please partake as needed of these healing potions. And she gives you five regular healing potions. 
I scrutinize it. Is it a healing potion? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, make an arcana or investigation check. Sure. Go ahead and give that here. Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, these are very much healing potions. The bottles, uh, they look a little bit fancier than some of the apothecary-style healing potions that you've seen. There are, like, there's a lot of uh, embossed gold, or not embossed gold, embossed glass on the bottle uh, with MI and the logo of MacGuffins Incorporated. Uh, and you see just a very fancy-looking bottle. Um, and as you're investigating it with a 17, you tap on it, and it sounds thicker than normal glass. Is this uh, one of those um, uh, illegal ones? Oh, what, no. actually work? Oh, these are all, <laughs> all healing potions actually work, and they are not illegal yet. Um, and we are working hard to ensure that they never become such. We are impressed upon the political maneuverations of the city that healing potions are a necessary part of our business model but unfortunately these are only regular old healing potions but we do have a very fancy bottle we don't like it when the bottles accidentally break as they are expensive so we have made these bottles nigh indestructible and that's really all that's different Oh, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm... Right, I, so if we need a club and a pinch... So the bottle won't break. That's what I was just thinking. Sorry, what was that, Lizette? So the bottle's indestructible. It won't break. Nigh indestructible. I, I'm sure that people of your capability, if put to the test, could find a means of destroying the bottle, but for all intents and purposes, in our regular day, your this bottle is essentially going to last forever. Was that you can drop this from a forty-story building and it'll be fine? Was that spikes the bottle on the ground? Cricket <laughs> 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 literally jumps up to the ceiling as he holds on. Ah! Quite the enthusiasm! Um, can everyone just make me a dexterity saving throw to see where that bounces? <laughs> yeah. Easy. I'm gonna make one for Lolly as well. Okay, well I gotta. Should I pick one? Just imagine it like spiking right down and slamming back into your chin. Nat twenty from Salem, so twenty nine. Oh my Ooh. god, it is nowhere near Salem, and Salem, you don't even like flinch as this thing bounces around. Twelve from Shardlow. Twelve. Uh, did anybody get lower than a four? No. I got a five. <laughs> Oh, oh I have no dexterity. So, if Salem if Salem sees it going for Lolly, they'll grab it. Okay, absolutely. With that natural twenty, you can absolutely grab this uh, thing, which is bounces off the ground and like bounces almost straight back up towards uh, Lizette's face. You just pull it out of the way, and it hits the ceiling, and then starts bouncing back towards Lolly. And just as it's about to hit her face, Salem, can you describe how you catch the bottle? Just one step forward hand out precisely where the bottle is going to be uh, within probably like an inch of Lolly's face uh, and, and glasses right before Salem grabs it. 
perfect. Uh, Lolly, for even though she is a turtle and speaks very slowly, as soon as that bottle was coming towards her, you did see like pretty much in time with the bottle being grabbed by Salem, her head shrunk into her uh, shell, and she just went full like turtle in a half shell. <laughs> and uh, there's like about ten seconds before you see just the top of her head slowly emerging and then her eyes and she kind of looks around uh realizes that no one is again throwing a bottle on the ground and then puts her entire head out and she just kind of looks towards lizette and says Lizette's not paying attention she's writing in a notebook is indestructible <laughs> confirmed <laughs> <laughs> She just looks towards Lisette and says, uh, the other four of you should be careful of this one. She seems to have, um, well, she seems to have become a little bit more chaotic since she was initially hired. I would be fine if uh, the institute that hired me looked for me while I was gone for a year. Ms. Lizette, you know that we looked for you, none more so than your compatriot in the archives. Yes, well, Lolly, that's quite all right. We, we don't need to wait around for any more descriptions. Uh, Lizette, I'm, I'm sure that things will be quite all right as well. Uh, we'll give you some more experiments to conduct upon perhaps less... Uh, destructive, I suppose, more, more, more destructible things. It's appreciated. <laughs> Indeed, it does seem like a hard case like that could have some other applications. Very well, to the tea house. All Kirby right, just drops from the ceiling. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> As you start making your way out of the tea house, you do have about three hours until you have to meet up with her at four o'clock. Um, I guess actually you've almost got four hours. So is there anything you'd like to do beforehand or you just want to cut right to then? Uh, I want to case the place out a little bit. I want to see if um, anyone is also casing out, essentially. Uh, looking for various hidden entrances or uh, uh, entrances and exits that are more hidden than others. And if Perfect. there's any other Guys that look a little suspicious. Okay, absolutely. Uh, is anybody helping uh, Cricket? Yeah, I'd Cricket... say that Shardlow is less interested in the geography of the scene, but he's going to sort of mingle through the crowd, pass through the neighborhood, perhaps one or a few times. He's trying to look to see if he sees anybody familiar or okay. perhaps troubling to him. Lizette will come uh, along and both... take notes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, can. Uh... Shardlow, uh, can you make either deception or a stealth check, whichever you'd prefer to kind of pass amongst the crowd unnoticed? I will and... go with a stealth check. Perfect. And Cricket, um, I guess the same, but I'd probably think more towards stealth for you. I'd like deception if that's available. Oh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If I mean, I think like it's a busy city. You're trying to like basically pretend that you're not casing a joint out. I think deception works perfectly. Okay. And Ooh. that would be a 28 from Shardlow. I got a 27. Oh my gosh. Uh, 
you get the sense that you guys essentially disappear into the crowd. You are just going about your business. People are looking at you, but no, no one's really like paying attention to you. It looks, you feel very much like you have disappeared into this crowd. Uh, and can both of you get, make perception checks, please. Or anybody who's, who wants to could make a perception check, but I think these two are kind of leading it up. All right. Hey, uh, speaking of which, I got a dirty 20. I got a dirty 20. Dirty 20. Hey, dirty 20. It's the name of the show. Woo. All right. Uh, a dirty 20. Fantastic. Indeed. I almost feel like with the name of the show being dirty 20s, um, dirty 20s are almost more important than a natural, natural 20s. <laughs> <laughs> <Natural laughs> <20s. laughs> uh, all right. Um, yeah, with a dirty 20, you spend a couple hours casing the joint and you see that Irene's tea house is a fairly nice looking tea house. It's got uh, like green and white striped awnings over these bay windows and lots of doilies on the counter and all these beautiful, very ornate tea, tea sets being poured. But you also notice that the kind of area behind the tea house, the building behind it, which looks initially like just kind of a warehouse that's, and then the tea house was built in front of it. You don't see any normal or well-used doors. You see a one door that has been completely like chained shut and that has been, yeah, it looks with a not, with a dirty 20 you don't see very much uh use it looks like it hasn't been opened in a while but you do see that there are um there's a pile of barrels kind of four feet beside that door and with that dirty 20 you see some scraping marks beside the pile of barrels as if those were recently moved interesting um can i take a look inside the barrels Absolutely. Uh, I'll say with that dirty 20, it's still going on. Uh, you try to take a look in the barrels and the lids do not come off. You know what? It's a good thing. Uh, I have a crowbar. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to casually uh, uh, pry that thing open. Okay. Uh, make a strength check for me, please. Okay. I'm actually decent at those. All right. I didn't roll very good, though. Uh, that's going to be a, a, a nine. A nine. Uh, you try to shove your crowbar in, and you're... And you hear a... And you just manage to splinter a tiny bit, and then your tink, 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 your crowbar falls out of the little thing that it had made and clanks on the ground. And... Unfortunately, there's just like essentially you've like chipped a barrel. That's really all that's happened, unfortunately. I'm going to pick up my crowbar and walk away like nothing happened. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Charlotte, what did you get for your perception check? I got a 16. A 16. As you are walking around, you hear a ting, 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 ting uh, in this alley behind the tea house. And you poke your head around the corner. And you see Cricket walking away in the other direction. And about a minute after Cricket walks away, 
you see those barrels that I've been describing, they actually swing as one unit and just open out and you see a face look out, uh, look around down the alley and closes the door again. Ooh, do I recognize the face? Um, make a history check for me. Uh, but if you're not proficient, add your proficiency. All right. Oh, that's a crit, so a 25 oh. if I'm adding my proficiency. Okay, awesome. That is fantastic. Uh, yeah, you definitely recognize this person. You recognize this as Agnes Stonehammer. Uh, she is a dwarven bartender, and you know that she has been working in a lot of the House of Varine's speakeasies. Um, she was most recently... Oh, the one like the reason that you know her was she was working at a speakeasy called the uh, called the Recovery Well. Oh man, that's an unfortunate irony for a place that probably has its fair share of alcoholics. But yes. I'll go ahead and note <laughs> that down. <laughs> um, so as she opens the the barrels, looks around, and then closes the door, uh, you. You do know one thing as well is that this is definitely not the location of the recovery well. Yeah, this is potentially a new a new location. With a 16 as well, I think you don't see anybody out in the street. Um, and with a dirty 20, actually with a dirty 20, you just catch sight of a figure wearing... Um, a long coat, kind of like a long trench coat, but they've actually put a, a hood on it and they're walking and they're walking as if they're cold, but you keep, you notice them passing just a couple of times, Cricket. And every time they pass, they're just quickly glancing at the tea house and then they're moving away. Uh, and in the, that two hours, you only see that person twice, but that is probably the only person that you see that's kind of showing interest in the tea house. Well, that looks a little bit suspicious. Um, do I see anyone else here? Would I see um, uh, uh, Lizette or someone who's kind of waiting around the tea house? I mean, Lizette said she was coming to uh, to take notes. So, yeah, if anybody also, if any, if the others in the party also want to be there or doing anything, I don't know if you'd see Shardlow with the with the twenty eight on yeah, stealth. That's a good <laughs> point. <laughs> so but he would like if if it seemed like you were gathering up towards the front of the place and we'd kind of be winding down our little scouting mission there he'd probably try to regroup with you it's it's more of like if i see someone i'm saying hey i'm just gonna do something real quick uh continue on with the mission without me for a bit and i'll meet up with you later so that's kind of why i was just like being like oh lizette's taking notes oh yeah lizette's like sitting can... right outside taking notes <laughs> oh, <perfect. laughs> not okay. subtle not so, stealth uh, at all Lizette, are you like, at, there's like these little bistro tables outside the tea house. Are you sitting at one of those or are you sitting oh, like at a, uh, across the street yeah. and just looking directly in front? House? Like, yeah, at a bistro table or something, just like taking <laughs> notes, like writing down pointless information about everyone that passes for no apparent reason. <laughs> Perfect. As you're sitting there, uh, this tall, slender human man wearing a tuxedo with a white towel over his arm, comes out and says, Hello, bonjour, welcome to Irene's Tea House. 
My name is Francois. What can I get for you today? I have a really specific question about the lore of this universe that you've created, Marcus. Of course. Yeah, totally. Is there... So he has a French accent. What is fantasy mm-hmm. French? And can I speak <laughs> it? <laughs> uh, you are Lisette, and you've got something ridiculous, like 13 language. You can speak fantasy French. Whatever, yeah. whatever fantasy French is, you can absolutely speak it. And I think that's the name. They just call it fantasy French. Okay, I'm writing that down that I speak that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lisette, you're... The sheer number of languages you now speak, basically the question is, like, is there a language you don't speak is really what it comes down to. And I think the answer almost always is going to be no. Amazing. I also, Italian elves is also very good. You know, just riffing off of what Richard is is saying, uh, or typing, I guess, for the audience, Richard is is suggesting that uh, half elves are French, which, yeah, yeah, Italian elves, you know that 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 plays, I think. And now I expect that from you, Marcus. Of, of oh, course. perfect. <laughs> uh, by Italian elves, do you mean Mario? Because I think that, <laughs> that is basically what my Italian elf is going to be. Just all of them are going to be. It's a me. Uh, can you do Waluigi? That's that's the important thing. <laughs> Waluigi. That's so cursed. <laughs> I am evil Waluigi. Evil Italian elves. Is he going to be fighting a bunch of like Italian warlocks that all sound like no, Waluigi? No. <laughs> Drow need to be Australian because they're from the land down under. That's true. <laughs> that is amazing. That makes a lot of sense. Consistency in world building. <laughs> All right, so next session, I will have prepared an Australian accent so that we can meet some down under elves. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, I'm just going to run night. towards uh, Lizette. Uh, uh, well, actually, no, sorry, you're still talking to him. I'll probably, like, see you and then just kind of awkwardly just kind of wait around until Lizette's not talking to this man anymore. Oh, he just, she just says, please go away in, a t- in fantasy French. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, he says, oh. In fantasy French, he replies and says, mm, but of course, would you like uh, a tea whilst you wait and write your notes, or would you just like to sit here and take up a table? I did just say, please go away. That implies that I would like you to please go away. Right. We are a business, madame. And if you are not going to order something, you can shoo. You can go away. But if you would like to order something, of course, you are welcome to stay. I'll have a black coffee. Of course. My pleasure. And then you shall never see me again. And he turns and walks away. Cricket, what is it? So, uh, you know, I was waiting around here for a little bit to to go let you know about something, but I think I let the guy go. (laughs) I was wanting to go take a look at and and follow someone, but it's been a bit and I don't know where he is anymore. What did he look like? A, a, A tall, big coat with a hood. Uh, he looked cold. Have I seen this I mean, person walk by while I've, I've been taking notes? Uh, make a perception check for me. That is a 18. 18? Yeah, you you notice this person. It's not 
normal for people to be wearing a trench coat with a hood. Trench coats typically don't have hoods. So this is something that has been added aftermarket. It's kind of very strange. Um, with an 18, I think the one kind of thing that really stuck out about this person as well is that their hands were always in their pocket and they walked fairly stiffly as if their knees don't bend. A warforged? No. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but Cricket, you can make a perception check to try to find this person again to okay. see if you can find them. Can I help him out with that? Yeah, go for it. Oh, bless you. Okay. Um, while we're trying to look for this person, I'm just going to kind of uh, look towards Lizette. While I'm trying to fail this uh, this fella, um, if I if we find them, uh, go get with the group and just get to the preparing. I'll, I, I should be safe. Theoretically. Uh, but I only got a 14, so I probably didn't see him. Uh, and that was with advantage with the help? Yeah, the other one was Ooh. 12. Alright. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I think coming over to talk to Lizette, as you try to look back, this person has slipped away into the shadows, and you're not certain exactly where they've gone to. I should have just I should have just gone for it. Uh, that, that, you know, uh, amateur hour, uh, I will learn. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> um, we'll see him again. Oh, probably. Guy's evil. You could, like, paste it from the air. I'd rather not. <laughs> but should I, we get okay, together? Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. Uh, Lonlin's probably shaking in the boots, waiting around. <laughs> yeah, actually, what have Lonlin and Salem been up to in these couple of hours? How does Lonlin feel about um, how she's she's dressed to meet Winnie? She's more concerned about because she ran in plate down to McGuffin's Incorporated, so she kind of wants to freshen up a bit, but she's still happy to keep her armor on. Um, well, Salem is happy to help Lundlem freshen up. Oh, well, thank you. That's really it's kind. a very important part of the job, after all. They wouldn't hire us if we looked like a bunch of, well, I imagine that we're close enough to see everything else that's going on, so Salem will will just gesture towards Cricket, who's like been sweating and breaking boxes and running <laughs> around alleyways. Yeah, I think you guys have found a nice little salon nearby. Uh, this is a fairly nice area of town. This is in the Glitter Drop. So it's a very lovely, kind of elegant area. It's not quite the highest echelon but it is definitely not the lowest rung either of the city. And I think you find this nice little salon and it's run by this beautiful, incredibly well-coiffed uh, tabaxi man uh, who's got kind of the biggest pompadour you've ever seen just on the top of his head. And he um, is wearing just a, like a shirt with uh suspenders and he's got his arm like his sleeves rolled up and he's got one of those um oh what are they called like an elastic or whatever that goes around the arm uh oh i've just blanked on the word anyway uh he looks very much he looks very suave and uh welcomes you in and uh says salem honey dear i know it you're here your the your spot it's, is available it's not, for you. For, it's not for me today don't don't worry about it it's my dear friend here Oh, oh, beautiful. I love your hair. You you look fantastic. 
this what are you even doing here you don't even need me but just just because um no we're both here we want to be presentable we're both here so yes yeah of course yeah i could always use a bit of a touch-up as well of course, yeah. Uh, and by of course, I just mean it's always an honor to, to meet with you, with you and to talk with you, but you never need a touch-up. You both look spectacular, but it would be my pleasure to do so. And uh, please have a seat. I'll get you a little crumpet, uh, some tea. And uh, he goes off and comes back and just starts helping make you guys look spectacular, even more spectacular. Uh, before Lonlin sits down, she takes off her shield and then she adjusts, like, takes off her sword and leans everything against the chair, I guess, or the counter. And then she'll Perfect. just take a seat and just, like, very, very happy to be there. Salem settles down next to Lonlin, crosses their legs, and just leans back into the chair. So uh, you come here often. Well, here, there. Looking nice is important. And you both receive a, a nice little like head massage as they touch up your hair and provide a little bit of a, a facial mask in the time that you're there. It's now coming up on four o'clock. You've had your beauty makeover. You've taken some notes, Lizette. Uh, Sail- or, um, Charlotte and Cricket have cased the joint and kind of felt like they found at least the other entrance, potentially. And it is now coming up on four o'clock. Well then, I know I feel like a a whole new person. How about yourself, London? I feel so pretty. And she's going to get her shield and sword back in order and just look at Salem and say, Oh gosh, do, do you think we're presentable enough for, for Winnie? Oh, of course we are. You look precious. Winnie is going to be bedazzled. Absolutely blown away. I'm sure of it. Whether Salem is telling the truth or not, uh, Lonlin is going to choose to believe them. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, so the five of you, uh, I would say, reconvene outside of the tea house. Lizette, you're still sitting at the table. And uh, it is now four o'clock. So how do we... Uh... Do, do we just, like, go in and say, hey, we're looking for Winnie? Is that is that what we do? I mean, it couldn't hurt to do a formal introduction. I suppose not. Did we learn anything of, of use casing the joint? Uh, yeah, actually, a, a few things. Um, there was uh, one fella, uh, a tall, hunched over, um, always looked cold. Uh, supposedly their legs didn't bend very well. Weird knees. They, they were all... No, oh, knees, yeah. Uh, long coat, hood, that kind of stuff. Uh, usual, like, uh, you can see the evil radiating off the presence kind of thing. Uh, but also, there was a, a place out the back with a bunch of uh, recently moved barrels. Indeed, uh, there is a false entrance around the back, and a rather suspicious personage in the form of a dwarf who should not be here. Hmm. Well, the Vereens are up to something, no doubt. But we won't learn anything dawdling about outside. And we have an appointment to keep. Indeed. Just don't let this Agnes, you will see her most likely inside, get too near to Winnie. I'm already slightly suspicious of their intentions. Well, Shardlow, why don't you keep an eye on them? 
and if you could look around for that um, uh, Neelis fellow, Cricket, and just ensure that they don't sneak up on our charge, well, that'd suit us fine, I think. I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Neelis fellow, Neelis fellow, and I just start, like, wandering off. You don't need to leap. Cr oh, Cricket! Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. No, with us. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Sorry. I, I you know, I, I got one thing. I, okay. All right. I'm, I'm here. I'm here with you. You're, you're important. Oh, and, oh. And, uh, you know, I, I'm to make sure that you stay very near to the party at all times. Orders straight up from the top. Oh, okay then. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be right behind you. Yes, Mister, Mister McGuffin himself, um, requested your presence on the mission after all. You can see that, like, just the breath leaves Cricket as he just kind of, like, straightens up, uh, kind of blushes a little bit. All right, then. Uh, after you, then, uh, Salem. Well. Indeed, we for age. Perfect. I do not pay as for the coffee. Go <laughs> <laughs> as you come inside, uh, that same maitre d' welcomes you. Hello, bonjour, welcome to Irene's Tea House. What can I do for you? Would you like to join your friend out on the patio or maybe a table inside? We have an appointment with Winnie Gale. She's expecting us. Ah, with Miss Gale, of course, of course. Please follow me. Uh, and I'm just going to quickly roll a little perception check. Uh, you see they... As they're kind of leading you towards this back room, they just send a little bit of a cold look towards Lisette, but don't say anything and just keep taking you through. And then they take you through these, like this curved hallway, an arched hallway, sorry, with beautiful, elegant paintings on the side. And as you are moving down into the back, you're smelling this beautiful smell of tea and jasmine and earl grey and also all of these delicious sweet baked goods um you you can tell you're definitely getting closer to the kitchen and there is a curtain on one side of the hallway and the maitre d' very grandly parts it uh and gestures inside and says uh, miss gale we have the representatives from i'm sorry where did you say you are from? McGuffins Incorporated. Ah, of course, of course. From the McGuffins Company. They are here to meet with you. Um, and as you step into this little back room, you see a beautiful woman. She is a dwarven woman with just flowing locks of uh, curly, curly, curly blonde hair and just a very elegantly trimmed beard. She is wearing a phenomenal evening dress. Even though it's the middle of the afternoon, she looks like she is done up for a night out on the town. Her makeup is very natural. Um, and you see she's sitting there with a mountain of sweets in front of her. And there's a plate with crumbs on it. And you can tell that this mountain used to be a lot bigger. And 
she says, Oh, hi, welcome. Thank you all so much for joining me. Oh, it's really her. Miss Gale, a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Of course, a pleasure for you, yes, and a pleasure for me, too. It's so... I've been wanting to work with people from MacGuffins for years. Oh, this is very exciting. <laughs> well, allow us to introduce ourselves, then, since otherwise you'll have the advantage of us. <laughs> well, I mean, you already do. You don't need more of one. No, oh, you're a charmer. I like you. Um, please, please come in, have a seat, help yourself to some treats. These are all mine, and today what's mine is yours. Salem's going to guide Lonlin to a chair as close to Winnie as possible. <laughs> Assuming that Lonlin is, like, frozen in place. Absolutely, yeah. As soon as she sits down, she, like, scoots her chair closer as well. Winnie, seeing you uh, scoot your chair closer, just looks at you and sends you a little wink. She's going to blush and giggle and just, oh my gosh. Does, does Cricket look like he's got any... Uh, like dust or dirt on his face or anything like that. Um, make I, a perception check. All right. Uh, eight. An eight. Uh, I don't think you notice anything. It's a little bit like it's atmospherically lit in here. It's not a bunch of. It's not very bright, so it's hard to tell if it's shadow or dirt. And at this point, you just kind of assume it's just shadow. I think. Yeah. 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 You've cleaned up well, cricket. Why don't you lead off the introductions? <clears throat> oh, of course. Uh, uh, the name is Andrew Jameson Charles, but you can call me Cricket. Uh, I just kind of put up my hand. Uh, I don't know if you do handshakes, but here it is. Um, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm a fellow bard. Oh, very nice. And she'll reach out and she'll grab your hand and turn it uh, so that her hand is now like resting in it, ready for a kiss. I just kind of look towards Lonla like, oh my god. Uh, I'll, I'll, quick, I'll do like a quick... Uh, um, uh, 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 tap with my lips. Um, oh, oh, so forward of you. Oh, that's that's very. Oh, my heart's all a flutter, cricket. Oh, thank you. I'm just gonna look towards, I guess, Charlo. You're welcome. Um, this is Charlo. Um, <laughs> just kind of go behind him. Uh, he will take take her hand and give her like a curt bow and and a small kiss, and then sit back down again. He seems a little bit tense around here he's not he's he's kind of like his eyes are towards the corner of the room but he's polite enough <laughs> perfect yeah uh i think when you kiss her hand she just kind of like waves her hand as if like to cool her herself down and says oh a southern gentleman oh very nice i of course delighted to meet you miss i'm shard loganister at your service you? Salem nudges Lizette with uh, with their knee. Lizette is like nose deep in her notes and just ah ah, uh, Lizette. And I just I like a really awkward two finger salute. <laughs> <laughs> she looks at you for a moment, uh, looks towards Lonlin again, smiles at Lonlin, and then returns the two finger salute to Lizette. It's a pleasure. Um, I'm the former head archivist of the MacGuffin Incorporated. Uh, I, it's nice to meet you. <clears throat> and then back to the notes. 
doll. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much. Oh, the head archivist. Am I going to be in the archives? Oh, now that is an honor. Oh, trust me, you do not want to be in the archives. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I'll take your word for it, but that does sound nice to be enshrined forever in a hall of knowledge. <laughs> Sounds... I mean, what kind of better legacy could you leave than to have your name written down forever in one of the biggest libraries in the world? And uh, they, she turns to Salem and says, And you, precious? I'm sorry, I missed your name. That's because I didn't give it. And? I was curious to see how the rest of our companions here but but uh, before i i go on of course my your your biggest fan must surely introduce herself first oh i was saving the biggest for last <laughs> that's quite all right then the name's salem we work in um well i suppose we used to work in recovery but now we have a more important task salem winks uh, and you see she blushes and continues waving her hand and then she just turns to look at Lonlin and she holds out her hand uh, for you uh, but she's holding it as if she wants to kiss your hand oh my gosh yeah Lonlin will take her hand and like in both hands and just start shaking it seriously <laughs> and just say i have all of your albums i can't believe i'm meeting you oh my god i'm lonlin iron voice i'm oh my gosh i i've listened to you for so long i can't believe i'm meeting you i not that we're expecting a fight or anything but you can see behind me and i will absolutely protect you we'll all protect you but not that we're expecting a scrap or anything and she'll just pause and take a very deep breath uh, this entire time uh she was kind of a little bit surprised by the force of the handshake, but very quickly uh, recovered and just smiles at you and says, Well, Miss Iron Voice, it's always a pleasure to meet a fan. And I personally feel very safe in your very strong hands. She'll just kind of look to the group and be like, Oh my God. <laughs> Salem throws a smile towards Lonlin. I just do like thumbs up from behind Shardlow. Shardlow <laughs> uh, <laughs> gives a dry smile. You can tell the the fangirling is not really his style, but he's happy. Lonlin's happy. <laughs> so why why don't you tell us why you asked for us? I, I mean, we got some details, but I, I definitely want to hear it from you. Of course, of course, but please help yourself to some food first. I I hate to talk on an empty stomach, and it's so late in the day already. You must be starving. Please help yourself while I tell while I regale you with my woes. And so she will gesture at the pile of sweets, and it's kind of any sweet you can think of that might be available in a tea house. It's basically there's at least one of them on this mountain of baked goods. Can I figure out, out of all this pile, which have been eaten the least, and that which she probably likes the least? <laughs> so I can take uh, one of the ones she doesn't mind? Yeah, I think the ones you notice that there are still a, like more of 
and kind of are like at the back of the mountain relative to her are just raisin scones which seem kind of like bland i think charlo politely just takes one of the raisin scones thank you for your hospitality of course yeah so i have hired you and then you'll watch her kind of become a lot less exuberant and over the top and a little bit subtler in her movements and just say I've hired you because I'm concerned that I'm in danger and I've been receiving death threats and frankly I'm scared do you have any uh, do, can you do you uh, have the uh uh, notes on on your hand right now? Of course, yeah, yeah. I I brought them, of course. Um, now, I think I'm not an exploit, but I think they might be from one of my old lovers. But it's, I mean, I, I'll pass them to you, and she'll pass you four letters, and you watch as, or you take a look at these letters, and all of the letters are, they're very like serial killer stalker-ish. They are letters cut out from different newspapers and advertisements that have been pasted together to form sentences. Well, uh, that's creative. And uh, the first one says, I was never good enough for you, babe. Now you aren't good enough for the world. The second one says, you broke my heart. Now I'm going to break yours. The third one, if you're not careful to set an alarm, you'll never wake up. And the fourth one is, if the Sheba goes out on tour, the only vehicle she'll need is a meat wagon. Oh, wow. Do I know what the Sheba is? Uh, yeah, so Sheba is a, uh, it's a colloquialism. It's a term for a fancy woman, for a very like well-dressed, but sexually um, enticing woman. It doesn't actually necessarily correlate to how promiscuous someone is, but it is a perception. Like, you, you'll you call someone a Shiba if they are very beautiful, and you kind of assume that they're also very sexual. So, like, Marilyn Monroe kind of thing? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Winnie, uh, do you have any letters from the lover that you believe this to be? Like, love letters? Well, Patty was never much of a... Of of a dab hand with writing uh and but you will pull out just like one scrap of paper that is like it looks like it's written on the back of a um like a receipt or something it's just uh and all it says is kisses patty and this is patty o'malley yeah this i mean things between patty and i didn't end so well so I think maybe he's the only one I could think of. Everyone else was, all everyone else is is really is, is just so sweet. Uh, well, do you have any uh bodyguards for yourself? Um, we could try talking to this Patty uh on behalf of you. I just I'd feel very uh, worried if you were left all alone. Well, and she will reach over and gently pat Longland's knee and say. That's why I hired you. You're my bodyguards. Oh, gotcha. Silly. Well, 
Have you seen Patty any time recently? Or just received these letters? I haven't seen Patty recently, no. But, I mean, it's possible that he was in a crowd or at a show that I've been doing. Um, and, but, no, I, I haven't seen him in Poison recently. Do you... What kind of a person does he look like? Um, is he is he a, a, a brooden? Is he tall? Does he normally like to wear a lot of coats with a hood? Are his knees weird? As you say, is he tall? She will just like actively giggle and say, oh, "Patty, no, Patty is, Patty's a gnome. He is, um, I mean, he's big for a gnome, but still, no one would ever call him tall. That's <laughs> he's tiny." But but don't tell him I said that. Uh, he was he has a bit of a thing about his height. Um, he's always preferred to th to think of himself as as big for a gnome. So, but he is he's definitely not tall. <laughs> ah. so if, if you know Patty, you you would know why that is so funny. Of course, Salem's gonna lean in towards Lonlin and and just quietly, just loud enough for Lonlin to hear, say, "Probably big for a gnome where it counts at least." <laughs> She'll laugh at that. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't sound like uh, Winnie heard that at all. Winnie seems completely, uh, yeah, entranced with the joke that she heard about Patty being tall. Is Winnie human, right? Or is she... Uh, she's a, dwar a dwarf. She's a dwarf. Oh, right. Where... This is going to sound like a strange question, but... In relation to the secret entrance I saw earlier, where are we? Uh, so, you are probably about 80 feet from that entrance. You, the kind of secret entrance was on this warehouse that was built onto the back, or that is attached to the back of the tea house. And it was around kind of essentially the exact opposite from the entrance where the like the tea house door and um so yeah you're about 80 feet you feel like you're still kind of in the tea house proper but you're probably getting towards the back of the tea house proper okay so we're not we're not like right directly near that one you're not directly near it no if you don't mind me asking uh, how long ago was the breakup oh the breakup was over a year ago, um, it, it was, it, well, Patty has always been such a, a sweet, but really, he's just too possessive. He believes that a woman should be with one poison at a time, and frankly, that's just never been my style, but I'll always be thankful for the time I spent with Patty. Because without Patty, I might never have found my way into the underground singing scene like I am currently. He never really... He didn't understand why I wanted to end things. But it just wasn't for me. I just feel that... Yeah, this... So, you're saying that Patty got you into the, the scene, right? Oh yeah, Patty, he's a... He's big up there with the Vereens, and, you know, 
if you know anything, you uh, and she'll turn to Cricket and look directly at you. You say you're a bod. You know if you want to make anything happen in this city, you've got to get in with the Vereens. And and Patty was my way in. Yeah, and okay. don't I don't 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 take it like I used him. I also cared for Patty, but. Oh no no! I I I never wanted to uh, uh, say something like that. Uh, it was more just. Could it be that he's using his influence now with the Vereens to uh, to threaten you? Or are you on good terms with the Vereens yourself now? Oh, well, I'm on good terms with several of them. And she'll actually stand up and say, follow me. Uh, and she will take you towards the, like, the very back of the tea house. And you'll see a sign for washrooms. And she opens the door. And there, it's a very small, cramped little bathroom. Um, but... It's big enough for all of you to just squeeze in. And she says, please, please, everyone, everyone, come on in. There's, I know it's tight quarters. We're just going to have to get cozy. And as everyone close, comes in and she says, all right, now close the door. And the door is closed. And then she pushes back on the toilet. And the toilet actually uh, sinks into the wall. And you see the floor before you starts to slowly lower as it looks like the walls are raising up above you and the entire room begins to sink down in an elevator and when after about 30 seconds the elevator stops and the wall that had been the toilet opens up and you see a beautiful elegant glass and brass shining everywhere speakeasy um, with a glowing neon sign above the bar that says Jake's. Have I been here before? By your estimation, this is a fairly new establishment. You've not really heard of Jake's before. Hmm. I sort of look around, see if I can spy any any familiar faces and Perfect. Uh, at this moment there's actually only two people in the bar. Um, as the doors open, both of whom look up from what they're doing behind the bar and look towards you. Uh, the first one that you recognize is Agnes Stonehammer, the dwarven bartender, who is currently in the process of restocking the bar. And you see someone uh, in their shirt sleeves, cuffs rolled up, and with their hair actually fairly disheveled, um, you see someone doing the figures leaning over the bar who looks up and you see a man, uh, half elven probably, uh, looking up and you see a very elegant kind of almost ethereally beautiful face. And uh, when he says, Everyone, please, welcome to Jake's. Well, isn't this place the tabaxi's meow? <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, and she'll start walking towards the uh, towards the bar and just calling out, Jake, Mr. The Cake. Oh, honey, darling, I love it. This place is almost set to open. I'm so excited for tonight's grand opening. This is going to be spectacular 
Uh, and please, I would like to introduce my companions. They are going to ensure that tonight things go as well as they possibly can. And she'll go around and she'll introduce you. And she'll introduce you to Jake the Cake, Vereen, um, who is a member of the Vereen family. Uh, and she'll also introduce you to Agnes Stonehammer, a dwarven bartender. Um, and both of them will just look up at you. Jake will kind of lean on the bar, raise an eyebrow and say, Hey, uh, so... What uh, what brings you to uh, to Jake's bar? We are friends of Winnie's, you could say. All Best right. friends. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he raises an eyebrow at the term "best friends." Kind of looks between Lonlin and Winnie, but Winnie, uh, Lonlin looks actually back at you and smiles and says. Exactly. Best friends. She'll look back to the group and be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, we're, um, we're here with Miss Gale. Just, uh, paying attention to the show tonight. You know, it's going to be a magnificent performance. And of course, having some friends in the audience to liven things up a bit never hurts. Oh, yeah. Actually, on, on that note, for uh, the show, do you do you need an opener? Um, I mean, oh. I, it never would. If, well, we have. Oh, I've just lost his accent. Hold on. No, what's fair? Uh, I, I, I totally get it. Um, I'm just saying, like, if I'm up on the stage, maybe I could get a better surround, and I could, I could look at the people uh, who might want to be um, violent, uh, so I could I could just chill. Uh, he'll no. look at you and say, "Well, we we already have a uh, an opener. We got Millie Plum coming in, but uh, oh, Millie, we you don't need Millie Plum. We're good. We're good. All right. Well, go up on the stage and, and show me what you can do. All right. Uh, he'll gesture towards the stage risen at the back, and there's no musicians yet, but there is just a stage with a old school." microphone there that seems to be connected to these loudspeakers in the corner. Oh. Can uh, can Salem pick up a saxophone and accompany Cricket? Oh my gosh. Yes, you absolutely can. I need a performance check from both of you. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Uh, goes. Can um, I make a saxophone check instead of a performance check? Because I'm proficient with the saxophone, but I'm not proficient <laughs> with performance. <laughs> Salem's not yeah. a performer. But they can, do love to uh, to play. You can absolutely make a saxophone check. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got a 16. I'm okay with that. All right. Uh, Salem's got a 14. 14? All right. Uh, yeah, Jake uh, looks over at you and says, All right, not bad, not bad. All right, how about this? You can open, you two, both of you, open for Millie Plum, who is still going to open... For Winnie Gale. Alright? I'm not kicking Millie Plum off. I've been working hard to get these bookings. This is my new club. This is I want this night to be spectacular. But you, hey, you know what? I appreciate a, a bold ask. And uh, hey, it sounds like you can back it up. So you're on at date. 
I'm just gonna look towards Salem and with like the most like jaw dropping wide eyed moment. Oh my god, this is the start of my career. <laughs> Don't you have a job, Cricket? I mean, this is a technically a trial basis until uh, uh, uh <clears throat> I just kind of pull my collar a little bit. Uh, things get figured out. Um, I'm sure you'll do swimmingly, but I suppose if it all falls through, then at least you've got your performance to fall back on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, up here, we can keep an eye on the crowd and, uh, you know, watch things a little bit more surreptitiously. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I was meaning to, to, to make it all about. Yes, yes, I, I know, of, of yeah. course. That's I, that's why I backed up your plan. It was a brilliant plan. Ah, thank you. Um, I, I suppose uh, maybe Shadlow can be walking around, Lonelin can be chilling right beside uh, Winnie. Um, there you go, you're starting to get it now. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you go let them know what the plan is? Oh, yeah. Oh, right, we're still on the stage. <laughs> oh, one second. Um... I think while this is happening, uh, Charlotte's curiosity is piqued by one thing. He'll, he'll lean over to Jake and go, Pardon my curiosity, but why the cake? Oh, well, um, God, I keep slipping into Charlotte's accent. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, why the cake? Well, you know, it's like... Uh, like it's the 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 best. It's the the cream of the crop. It's the uh, like the fancy lad, but uh, in a good way, not like a derogatory way. So I'm makes sense to me. I can see I'm why you and Winnie get along. Yeah, I'm the most beautiful. We are gonna get along. Um, and uh, welcome to Jake's, I guess. Uh, and Jake will look over at Agnes and say. All right, if these people are going to be here until we open and then throughout the night, let's at least put them to use. Uh, and Agnes will look towards all of you and say, Right, so are you good with a broom? Uh, and she will start putting you to, to work. Uh, is there anything you would like to do in preparation for the crowds actually coming in tonight? Clean very carefully near around Agnes. <laughs> He's still slightly suspicious of her, but like he's just gonna like while doing all this cleaning activity, he's like keeping his eye on her and to some degree on Jake to see if they're doing anything off other than prefer preparing for a performance. Uh, perfect. Yeah, I think the only thing you really notice they are working incredibly diligently. You see, like they're kind of putting a lot of effort into trying to make sure this opening goes really well. They are definitely both. Uh, yeah, working hard and trying to like make sure everything is absolutely perfect for this first night. But one thing you notice is that uh, about seven o'clock, kind of before the the doors are going to open in an hour, they confer just quietly between each other, and Agnes leaves to go out towards the back, um, which by where you saw the like barrels you actually see, think that that is probably where she's heading towards can i try to tail her <laughs> absolutely make a stealth check i'm gonna say with disadvantage because there's not a lot of people here no that that's totally fair and i am previously attempting to half-heartedly clean the place <laughs> all right all right that is just a 16 a 16 okay um you don't get the sense that she sees you. 
she seems to just walk towards the back. You are able to kind of duck around things and be sweeping as you're going. And uh, you see she gets to this flat wall and she presses one of the bricks in and the entire wall swings out. And you're looking out at that same alleyway that you had seen before, but you're looking out from behind the barrels. And okay. she uh, pokes her head out and um, she's not actually leaving. She's just poking her head out. But go ahead and make a perception check for me. All right. That is a 12. A 12. Uh, you unfortunately can't hear what is being said, but you do hear a muffled conversation going on. Um, which languages does Charlo speak again? Sharlo uh, speaks infernal. Yeah, I get some extra ones here, but I won't. I won't game the system. <laughs> um, I speak infernal, elven, dwarvish, and common. Okay, uh, so you're not actually certain exactly which language is being spoken, um, but the only thing you notice about it, really and truly, with the twelve, is that it sounds much more sibilant than most other languages. Uh, and the conversation lasts for about two minutes. And then the door is closed again and Agnes comes back to uh, restocking the shelf. And with your health stealth, you're able to get away before she sees you right there. Yeah, he goes back to some very desultory cleaning. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Uh, is anybody else doing anything in preparation for the opening? Lawnwood would what? Uh, sorry, excuse me. Lawnwood would like to figure out where all the points of exits, like entry and exits, are. Because I know there's the elevator, but I don't think I know in case we need to get out if there's actually a way to get out. Perfect. Uh, so. With like, you can absolutely tell that there is that main entrance that most of the public will come down, which is the one that uh, is behind the fake barrels and everything. And so that's kind of the main one. And then make a perception or investigation check to see if you can spot any other ones. And is anybody helping with this? I I'm probably just going to keep working on my voice. <laughs> if I can <laughs> assist, I will. I'm going to roll perception. Okay, uh, I would say roll with advantage because, yeah, Charlo is looking around as well. Yeah, slowly moving around that one pile of dust <laughs> over the floor. <laughs> oh. I got an uh, eight. <laughs> as far as you can tell, there's just the two entrances. Elevator and that main door. Oh, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> She'll just say that quietly to herself. <laughs> it's just the, the two doors. We're, we're fine. That's all, that's all there is. Or the one this door. This is fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Any anything else, Lizette? Anyone? Anything you want to do? Um, I think Lizette is gonna not clean and snoop. <laughs> and by snoop, I mean again, she's not stealthy and she has no. She's not making an effort of hiding it, but like getting into the nitty gritty of like exactly how tall the stage is, how many tables. <laughs> S Salem's gonna ask Lizette if. Uh... While you're doing that, if I, um, not, not that you need it, of course, but if I created a 
little distraction for you. Do you think that you could also check to see if there's any strange magics on the place, perhaps? Things that ought not to be here? I, I mean, I could check whether or not you make a distraction. Uh, oh, well, yeah, I suppose, but we don't want Jake to start getting suspicious. Especially if he's in on it. We don't know after all. Right. Probably not, but... I, I could... I could do that. Perfect. I mean, while you're measuring things, of course. I, I wouldn't dare take you away from your more important tasks, but... Oh, it's really not know, important. I just... Oh. Well then. Um, <laughs> yes, in that case, yes, please. Uh, I would I would dearly appreciate it if you checked. I lack the capacity to do so myself, I'm afraid. I'm just looking up to check magic because I've never had it before. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can ritually cast it if you'd like, um, but it does take ten minutes, so it's going to be hard to do that uh, in any sort of stealth. But also, as you mentioned, Lizette kind of gives no fucks. Um, <laughs> ooh, I said it. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> we are now explicit for sure. As long as you don't say it in the first thirty seconds, you're fine. <laughs> One per episode. <laughs> is there a Disney back movie. room that I can go into? Uh, there is like a a liquor storage cabinet. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll try to go in there and then ritually cast the tech magic. Okay, perfect. So, as you ritually cast the tech magic, you see that kind of all. Like as you step back out into the room, there's nothing magical in the uh, in that storage room. Actually, there's a tiny little bit of evocation, which you see as it's just on the like white wine. And as you touch it, it just seems to be basically making things a little bit colder. It's just essentially a larger version of prestidigitation, just chilling the white wine. Um, but uh, oh, sorry, yeah. Is it a screw top or like a cork? <laughs> oh, it's a cork. These are very fancy bottles of wine. Damn. Didn't but bring my corkscrew with hold me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Roll me a perception check. Or an investigation because. Nat 20! Oh my god. So that's 28. That is amazing. So definitely, awesome. like, almost all of them are corks. But as you're taking a look at it, you actually find a shelf that is all screw top white wine. Um. And looking at like across at the red wine, you see an exact replica of Screwtop red wine as well. And this is kind of like the lower rung, like quite literally, it's right below, or it's right near the ground for where these Screwtops are. I am going to definitely dig into that Screwtop red wine. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You've. And I'm going mean, to come out holding it. Like, I'm not making any effort to hide that I'm, I'm not sneaky. I'm going to say this a million times. So I'm going to come out with the red wine and see what's magical in the room. That is fantastic. Yeah. So um, as you come out holding the open bottle of red wine, uh, Jake the Cake looks at you and just inwardly, you see him like, pull himself together as he looks towards Winnie and just not say anything. Um, but one of the things you notice as you're coming out into the main room is an absolute butt-ton of illusion magic. This place has been made like 
it's it seems like the illusion has been laid on to just enhance everything everything is looking spectacular regardless but the illusion magic that you're seeing is just been added as an extra layer to basically take it from an eight to an 11 in terms of glitz and glamour okay so um, just fancy magic absolutely um you also see some illusion magic on jake the cake as well um and you see it's again like basically centered right around his face and then the last little thing that you see with detect magic is that behind the stage there is a conjuration uh, there's some conjuration magic behind the stage like right on one of the walls okay I'm going to relay that to Salem and yeah if you take a look for it uh, it is centered around a specific brick in the wall behind you or behind the stage after relaying like I'm going to walk up to Salem and and give Salem a rundown of everything that is magic and be like, the, the wine, the red wine and the white wine is chilled and lovely if you want to go take a bit there. Uh, and then I'm gonna go and touch that brick. Okay, perfect. Uh, as you're going up to touch the brick, you just hear uh, Jake saying, no, no, no! Uh, but then you touch it um, and poof, you feel yourself transported to a different area you have essentially gone through a permanent dimension door uh, and you find yourself in a fairly rundown looking warehouse. You take a look around. Uh, it looks like it's an unused abandoned warehouse. It's dusty. It's full of old broken down crates. But what's probably most noticeable is that right beside you there is a gleaming, pristine, uh, black and gold limousine that is facing these big garage doors that could be opened. Is there anyone in the limo? There is currently no one in the limo. So Lizette is freaking out because <laughs> she's very used to being transported to weird places. <laughs> does not like it um so i don't think she's she's not really like doing anything other than freaking out right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and so back in the speakeasy what what's going on with you folks as you see your friend touch the wall and disappear salem is looking straight towards jake since jake was just starting to talk when that happened I i'm gonna go tackle him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm following suit. Now, hold on, hold on. That may be ah. typical around here. Where is our friend Lisette? And he, he he sort of looks over at Jake as he sees his friends rushing over. Um, <laughs> I think in that time, like, Lonlin and Cricket have fully tackled Jake to the ground. Um, and Jake, basically, as he's falling, says, No, 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 not my face! Uh, and falls to the ground. And... He's basically being piled on by someone wearing full plate. It is not comfortable, and he's just like, "Oh, god damn it! That's my emergency getaway." Oh, why do you need an emergency? 
right on my chest. Can you just move your knee? Well, then like, talk quickly. Okay. Vonlin, Vonlin, break it up. We don't want to be mean to the nice man. He's a friend of Winnie's after all. But he just... He point to the wall. <laughs> I, do, do you mind telling me where that thing leads? I'll try and go get uh, our friend just so she's not alone. Yeah, it's, it's just my getaway. Oh, I got a vehicle back there. If If I need to... Oh god! If things go poorly, I go over there and I get away. It's what every everyone has one of these, right? I don't have one. Well, you're missing out. What happens if you if you like? Okay, yeah, all right, no, nope. I'm fine. You don't. I'll move my knee. <laughs> okay. I mean, hey, when you're in my line of work, yeah, you need a. Uh, you sometimes just need to be able to get away quickly. Uh, it's nothing fancy. It's just a permanent dimension door. I'm. I, so where exactly does that lead to? And he gets incredibly defeated, but also sees like four people kind of glaring down at him, and sighs and says, "Well, I guess I'm gonna have to make a new getaway location after tonight." But. Currently, it goes to one of the warehouses a couple blocks away. I've got a, I got a vehicle there. Charlotte, for the record, isn't glaring at him. All this <laughs> makes perfect sense to him. Yeah, I as well. <laughs> Can I incite him? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah Salem's totally. gonna go, uh, go for the brick. Okay. Well, perfect. Yeah. Uh, and he, you, as you're going, he's like, no, oh, it's only got, oh. <laughs> and you touch it, uh, and. Poof, Salem goes over to uh, and appears beside Lizette. And did Cricket also go? Did you also go, sir? Uh, did Cricket also go? I mean, seeing that um, Salem went, I'd probably go where the like the front door is to entrance to like make sure they get here safely. But I'm not gonna go through that just yet. Okay. Lizette has fully smashed the wine bottle on the limo and is like holding it up as like a defense. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Oh my god! Oh, this fancy, beautiful black and gold limo now has like this horrible red wine stain and just scratches over the fender. Um, <laughs> well, that's gonna be awkward to explain. Oh, Salem, sorry. I thought you. I don't know where. Where? Where am I? Uh, somewhere totally safe. Um. I don't know where you thought you were, but you're probably not where you thought you were. I I thought that I was in a dingy old warehouse with a random limo in it. Doesn't seem safe, but all well, right, and... I mean that's that's actually quite accurate. Um, you were on the money, but you why why you? Well, Salem looks towards the limo. Are there any keys in it? <laughs> 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 yeah, make a perception or investigation check to find keys, and you can have advantage because it's there with you. Uh, I have got a 21 on investigation. Yeah, I mean, he is a uh, a criminal mastermind who is not a mastermind. Um, he is a criminal face, and he has tucked the keys in the like in the visor, just like you do. And as soon as you pull up, like pull them down. They fall out into your lap. Would you like to drive or shall I? 
Lizette kind of holds up the, the half-drank broken wine bottle and is like, <laughs> you should probably try. Huh. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. <laughs> and back in the speakeasy. Uh, Lonlin, what did you roll for that insight? Oh, I got a 15. 15? Yeah, you get the sense he is definitely telling the truth. Um, this is just kind of standard practice. You have a easy getaway always planned. Yeah, when you're working in an underground place that might get raided all the time, makes sense. She'll eye him and slowly get off and offer a hand up and say, I'm sorry. It's just with the predicament we're in, I'm just a little high strung. It's okay, just can I ask a favor? Please, no one touch it again. I've only got, like, four charges a day, so it just, we've already used half, and frankly, I I, I mean, you know what? It just means that uh, sometimes getting the extra is worth it. Like, uh, man, when they initially told me the, the price of getting the four per day instead of just the one, I was like, oh, it's only for me. Am I ever going to need more than one, but whew, man, I did not count on on you. So worth every penny, I guess. Um, who are you expecting to run from? Oh, well, uh, let's see, there's the there's the people you would normally run from, like the cops, or the, uh, or detectives, or politicos. There's also, um, you know, it's things are pretty good between the three families, but that doesn't mean they're always going to be good. So you always have a have a back door or or two or or three. And, Wait, uh, there's other back doors here, and she'll start looking around again. <laughs> and Jake will just like pinch the bridge of his nose, uh, and then look to Winnie, who kind of the entire time that he was being tackled, Winnie just look a little nonplussed but it then pretty much very quickly goes back to just continuing her scales um and uh jake uh pinches the bridge of his nose and says all right there's one more entrance um and off to the uh to the right of the stage there is a little uh there's like a glass chandelier hanging down from the ceiling and uh, beside that glass chandelier there's a, a gilded rope which you see is used to kind of raise and lower the chandelier so they can light the candles it's not an electric chandelier or anything and it's not even like arcane and ever burning it's real candles but he walks you over to it and as he pulls the rope the chandelier doesn't actually lower but a section of the wall just slides back and to the side and there's just a very cramped hallway that's only just big enough for you to squeeze through with your full plate shoulders um he's like all right this goes out it run it connects with the sewers it's kind of like this is my least favorite way to get away but uh yeah it's i mean and now, pretty much as soon as he says it connects with the sewers, you start getting that whiff of foul, like old rot and vegetation and excrement. Um, 
and he's like, all right, I'm sorry. And he just closes the door right away. He's like, oh, God. Oh, oh, oh. And he snaps his fingers and just like the scent of roses fills the area that he that he's in. And he's like, oh, God. Oh, thank God I know that cantrip. Oh, that's so much better. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Who needs potpourri when you got magic, right? Forgive my asking this, but how many people know of these entrances apart from yourself and presumably Miss Winnie here? Well, to be honest, Winnie didn't even... I, I'd never told Winnie about them, but I'm sure she knows now, and Agnes knew about them, but uh, I guess... Let's see, there's five of you, so that puts us at eight who know about the secret entrances and exits. Well, I suppose that will be adequate for this evening. Just wouldn't want any unexpected surprises during this performance. I know how much it means to Miss Gale. Oh, yeah, and how much it means to me. I've you know how much money it takes to set up an illegal speakeasy? It is not cheap. Like I haven't it, the faintest. But I I'm sure. I'm sure it's very expensive. It is very, very expensive. Yeah. Well, anyway. Now that I've shown you my secret exits, I'm going to go back and clean up and make sure that I'm presentable for when the guests arrive and, and he'll pull out a pocket watch, realize it's 7.15 and say, 40, and just book it towards like his personal change room. Uh, is there anything else you guys would like to do before we open to the public and we cut to uh, a rollick in good time? drive back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um so yeah you guys drive back it is only three blocks away so you drive this limo oh, we through well aware. <laughs> <laughs> see you all approaching this limo i'm just like where the hell did you get that um, this is ours have... now we get to keep this oh wow <laughs> good that's a good bonus um do you want me to be uh, the um, uh, what's what, uh, the bellhop? Is that what it's called? Valet. Ba yeah, that thing. Uh, Cricket, you're far too fine for such a task. Do you know how to drive? I, you could, I, I, I'm a quick learner. <laughs> Salem looks at the already scratched limo for a second. Looks back up at Cricket. Back at the limo. Back up at Cricket. Why don't you take Lizette inside? I'll um, see to the limo. Of course. Uh, come on there, let's go. I'm like covered in red wine, yeah. <laughs> holding the bottle. You know, they mocked me for not taking prestigi prestigitation. I'm now seeing why. Um, sorry. I mean, really, they they really rag on you for your appearance. You're you clean up quite nice. Oh, uh, th thanks. I uh, well, I, I do my best, but I was honestly just worried about you getting cold with all that. Uh, you know, you know, red wine. Oh, it's it's quite fine, actually. I haven't felt cold in a year. Ah, were you just really hot then, or? <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's more of a feeling in general, quite type of thing. We should probably take the strange elevator down again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably a good idea. Um, 
Yeah. Just kind of like averts eyes a little bit. Uh, sorry. Uh, let's head out. It's quite alright. Shardlow, while this is going on, is just sort of like taking inventory of the bottles he sees, seeing if he sees, like, if he can figure out what's coming from where. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, make. Oh, I'm not even going to make you roll for this. You would know that a lot of this is coming from, um, the, uh, well, a lot of the fancy wine is coming from Threllis. Um, a lot of the fine elven wine is from Threllis. A lot of the whiskey is from Dundaloy. And a lot of the kind of middle of the lane, middle of the road stuff is actually from Olmeneas. Um, these are all like big cities throughout the continent. And although. Nice. So it looks not, like a classy selection. It is a very classy selection. You, you get the sense that Jake the Cake is trying to really live up to the cake aspect of his name and really trying to be a very fancy establishment. A very fine establishment, in fact. All right. That's probably all Shardlow's doing, other than keeping an eye to the doors, plural, as best he can. Perfect. Uh, and Salem, I think, last thing, where do you park the car? Salem would park it um, somewhere easily accessible but still safe uh i guess it like does it got like a are, are there license plates the car of a, of a marine family <laughs> you know i created a lot of backstory for this world when i was coming up with it i did not think about whether or not there were license plates or car insurance that is it's just a vanity plate. <laughs> yeah, it is it's a vanity plate it just says cake uh but the like the uh the k is actually a four <laughs> the original cake is taken of course uh, yeah well all right in that case uh i'll look at this salem knows the look of like the Vereen, you know, their experience in the underworld and everything like that. Uh, so they're going to look for some uh, some family enforcers and ensure that the, the car is left next to them and uh, let them know. Okay. Jake asked us to watch this, and now I'm asking you to watch this. You wouldn't want to let Jake down, would you? I do not want to let Jake down. Thank you very much. It's very strange that he brought it out of his secret hidey hole around the corner, but I would be honored to look after it. Um, and this is like a large, kind of uh, broken-nosed, quite bulbous knuckles, um, but it's a, uh, a Goliath. And he uh, looks at you and he just says, Thank you very much. I shall make sure that it does not get any more scratches on it. I'm assuming that these scratches are from Jake and not from you. What are you talking about? Those scratches were there when you watched it. And I'm going to cast friends on the, the Goliath. Did <laughs> <laughs> I mind trick him into just... No, those, those happened while you were watching the, the car. <laughs> oh my god. All right, um... So there is no save against friends. There is no save. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. He is technically hostile after, but if I'm not there, then... Yeah. 
<laughs> Starts getting very angry all of a sudden. Why am I so angry now? <laughs> I don't like that person. <laughs> I think he, yeah, he says, Oh, please, don't tell Jake that I scratched his car. Oh, he's not going to like that. Of course not. We're friends, right? We're friends. We're friends. We're friends. Yes. Good, good. I don't know your name, but I promise I won't. I just, just, and the uh, Goliath will actually just like go and sit in the driver's seat, um, because he thinks that's the safest place he can be in the car without like to watch it without being near it, so he doesn't damage it anymore. Salem watches the Goliath like squeeze into yeah. the driver's oh, seat. Absolutely a squeeze. <laughs> And uh, then just walks away with a small <laughs> smile on their face, uh, confident that the car is secure. Awesome. That is spectacular. I should have had you roll to see if you could find an enforcer, but to be honest, it was more fun for you to just find one. Yeah, fair. Yeah. I mean, I figure it's a, it's, a, it's a mob front. There's probably a bunch of enforcers hanging around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's off on a little side street. That's... I think that's, that's perfect. Uh, all right. So, we cut to a little later in the night. Um, Jake actually asks you guys to delay your performance until 9 o'clock because Millie uh, is going to be a little bit late and they want to make sure the house is totally full before either of the two headliners start playing. So, there's just some music playing. Uh, people start coming in. Alcohol starts flowing. You notice that everyone is coming from the false door kind of in the back alley with those barrels that seems to be the main entrance and you're seeing all of these beautiful flapper dresses lots of pin curls and finger curls you're seeing these men wearing full tuxedos or they're wearing like very fancy like velvet suit jackets some of them it's a huge mix of races and gender identities and there are people wearing kind of any combination of what is quote-unquote feminine or masculine in any sort of combination um and it's everyone is seeming to have a really good time and the liquor is flowing and there is just a backup band who begins to play and they're just playing an upbeat jazz and people are dancing and it is a fantastic time in a speakeasy who does not seem to be having a good time <laughs> that's the first people i look for perfect uh make a perception check all right that is going to be a 15 a 15 all right uh currently it looks like everyone seems to be having a good time there are a few people who are off on their own but for the most part they look like they are potentially trying to pick people up as opposed to uh like sulking um but uh, was anybody else taking a look uh, at, as people came in or anything, or just Charlo? Can I take a look for the the weird man that we saw? Absolutely, yeah. Make a perception check. It's going to be an 18. An 18. Uh, you, at first you don't recognize this person because they're not wearing that big trench coat anymore. But they are still wearing a long dress, actually, now. And they've got kind of... It's a, it's a black dress, and they've got a... Um, like a widow's veil on their head. 
And the thing that really sticks out to you, though, is that awkward gait, as if they don't bend their knees, as this person comes down the stairs. Can I see their hands? Because I couldn't before. Um, no, their hands are in, uh, like they're tucked into a, uh, what are those called? Like a, a fur hand warmer, like a muffler or something? I think it's just called a muff. Oh, okay. That just feels rude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, their hands, hands are, are very warm. We're all adults, folks. <laughs> their hands are tucked into the fur thing, um, <laughs> into the, into the fashion muff. I don't know how to say this now that oh god now that you know it's so much worse (laughs) yeah edit i just uh anyway their hands are tucked into this thing um and they are just walking and they go and sit at a corner and for the entire time that they are there their hands actually never leave this muff if they ever get up i'm going to attempt to like casually bump into them okay yeah so i think uh before they get up i think we have a performance by salem and cricket yeah i was okay so i'm probably just like on the piano while salem's doing uh saxophone and we're just getting we're we're just kind of getting some like some mood some nice ambiance music going just get everyone settled and ready uh oh I got a 24, though. Oh, very nice. Yeah, everyone is loving this performance. You see, like, people are dancing. There's, you're tapping into the the hot new dance craze. It's like the foxtrot meets, like, a square dance. Oh, um, but okay. But everyone knows it, but they love it. And uh, people are swinging, and they're dancing partners around. And uh, it seems like everyone's really enjoying it. And... You see, even Jake seems like really impressed, and he's like, he seems really happy about what's going on. We have inspiration, right? Yes, you do. All right, I'm gonna reroll. <laughs> <laughs> Did you almost ruin my performance? Yeah, I got, uh, I've got an 18, uh, and what's more, uh, minor illusion only has somatic and uh, material components, so I'm gonna cast some illusions. That well. is spectacular. What sort of illusions are you casting? Uh, uh, people dancing on stage. <laughs> Just like outlines of people. Like like very clearly illusions on stage of people dancing to the music that uh, Cricket is masterfully creating. Oh, that is spectacular. I love it. I think as well, like, because you're playing a saxophone, I like to imagine that these people are like, almost like Dumbo style coming out of the saxophone as like these <laughs> yes. wispy clouds. And then they're like floating yeah. around. Yeah. Dancing across the top of the piano. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, this is spectacular. It is, the night is going really well. Uh, It begins to, like, people get, there's more and more people. As the night gets later, it's now around 10 o'clock. It's even, like, busier. It's really hopping. Uh, Your performance is going really well. And uh, Jake comes over to you after you guys finish your set and says, all right, you guys, you're doing fantastic. Thank you very much. You've done a fantastic job setting the tone. It's now time for Millie to open up for Winnie. All right, so if you can clear the stage, uh, and uh, he grabs the mic and says, everyone, welcome to the grand opening of Jake's Bar, where everything 
is Jake all the time. And there's oh my God. clapping. Everyone is clapping and applauding. Uh, for the audience who doesn't know, everything is Jake means that everything is good. Everything is fine. So that's a little joke that I made. <laughs> and jokes are funnier when you explain them. So, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, joke analysis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Jake introduces uh, or welcomes people to the club. Says he's very excited for this new era of performance in the in the city, uh, and says, "Now we've got two exciting performances tonight. First of all, we are going to be joined by the jazz fairy herself, Millie Plum." who, after a fantastic set, is going to pass the floor off to the one, the only, Winnie Gale. And there's, ooh, ooh, ah, clap, 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 clap. People are cheering. People are cheersing. You hear the clink of glasses. And there's just all of this glitz and glamour through the entire room as this excitement comes in. And uh, you hear Jake say, now, without further ado, please welcome... Millie Plum! And he gestures at the empty stage. And then, from nowhere, this little pixie appears sitting on top of the microphone with her legs crossed, and she's wearing a tiny flapper dress made out of, like, feathers and leaves. And her butterfly wings are this beautiful purplish-lavender color and they're just folded over her chest and they start to open as she begins to sing some of the gals who sing like i do now let's be honest no one sings like i do strut on the stage with a fake howdy-do they smile and they laugh and they give you a twirl but wouldn't you know they're just silly big girls uh and she continues singing and uh, dancing and the everyone is loving it um and uh she gets like a 24 on her performance oh matches so, me i know i'm sorry it's okay it's fair <laughs> uh, she has she didn't roll actually that high but she has a pretty substantial performance bonus um and uh yeah she begins to sing and you watch as she's singing around like there's fairy dust that floats out of her hands as she gestures and she like stands up from the the mic and just starts walking on air as if the air was flat on the ground and you see these like little pads of uh pixie dust just appear when she steps as if she's walking on a solid surface and then those just all gently to the ground in golden sparkles uh so while i guess this uh performance is happening uh, uh, Cricket's gonna be like, oh, that was a, oh, oh my god. Um, so, uh, w what, what's the situation like? Do we, do we gleam anything else from all this stuff? Do we have any info on where the, uh, the, uh, uh, shady people are? Yeah. Uh, can I actually, like, wave, like, I'm at, at where this person is, can I, like, wave at Cricket and, like, be like, this is the person we met earlier like just trying to convey it as non like just with no verbal words that this is the same person <laughs> that we saw earlier yeah, make either a deception check or 
Oh god, what else could you be doing here? Performance, maybe? Whichever you feel you'd be doing a little bit more of. Uh, I'm assuming because you don't want to be, like, seen by this person. I... Is Lisa trying to be a little stealthy, or... <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I got a uh, oh. 17 on performance. Perfect. Yeah. So I think you can absolutely convey that, like, you know, you do, like, the, like, hands walking on your other hand, but instead of, like, bending the knees, you have, like, the stiff, like, awkward walk, and you're pointing at the person, and it's very clear that you're talking about the same person. And to that point, actually, as Millie Plum is singing her second song, which is a little bit more upbeat and jazzy, um, this person stands up and it seems incredibly awkward the way they're standing up um, and they start moving towards where you know the bathrooms are in this establishment. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna try to like, be like, oh, oops, sorry and like try to bump into them. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I think with that, uh, God, would that be I guess another performance or an acrobatics check to try to bump into them? Seeing what Lizette's going to be doing, I just take, I, I look around and uh, I I just, I, I see that there are a few plates around. So I'm not proficient in any actual instruments. I'm, I'm proficient in um, improvised percussion. So <laughs> I'm just going to like take some of the plates and just do like a quick tune, just kind of matching what uh, Millie's doing and give some bardic inspiration to uh, uh, Lizette there. That is spectacular. The only thing I want to say is, what were you doing on the piano then? Were you just like banging on the top of the piano rhythmically? Oh, you on stage? <laughs> Am I still on stage? Or I thought I was off? No, no, no. Uh, like when you were performing, when you got that 24, what were you doing? For oh, that no, that, that was piano. I, I, I'm proficient oh. in a few different instruments. Oh, uh, okay. I am, uh, it's grass whistle, improvised percussion, and piano. Okay, that, make, okay, that makes <laughs> a lot more sense. I was like, what? You said you were playing the piano, but you're not proficient? Okay. Oh, yeah. Now no, no. I'm proficient with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could just imagine you, like, banging on the back of the piano in some experimental, like, new age jazz kind of thing and people loving it. Like, yeah, I don't play the piano. I play the piano. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I quickly, I, I, I kind of jump off, do, like, a quick, like, SpongeBob, like, clapping my body and all that stuff. And I just kind of point towards Lizette. Awesome. Uh, you get a free yeah. D8. Sorry, it's a D8? Yeah. Sorry, I'm just losing it at the idea of, like, Lizette trying to pull off this thing that she's already not good at and, like, seeing just just Cricket just slapping his body across the room. I'm trying to be inspiring. Use some of my techniques. I don't know. Oh. Uh, yeah, so uh, roll a, either a performance or a um, uh, acrobatics to try to bump into this person? Uh, so that would be a 14. Okay. Uh, you, do you want to use my, my bardic inspo? I did. If you are... Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, like, not subtle. Like, you kind of make a beeline for this person. It's not like you, like, wander over and subtly bump into them. You just kind of walk towards them, and you see them, like, their head turns towards you. And... They just stop where they're what they're doing, and, but you just keep walking directly towards them, um, and they try to get out of the way. Um, you have a little bit of a of a, of a little bit of a collision, um, and you notice two really salient points. You bump into their like where their arm would be, um, 
and at their elbow, you actually feel the unmistakable shape of a hand. And as you bump into them, you hear a clang, 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 clang sound uh, as they're like trying to stagger and keep their footing. Um, and you notice that their their morning gown, their black gown that was going down to the floor, lifts up a little bit, and you see stilts <laughs> on the ground. Oh no! <laughs> okay. Um, as I as I kind of bump into them. Oh god! Can I can I say like oh oh sorry I didn't mean to, but in gnomish to see if they respond back in gnomish. Absolutely, yeah, you definitely can. And you hear back in Gnomish saying, Oh, that's okay, deity, no. And then they stop and just kind of look at you. Uh, and then they uh, hurry off towards the bathroom as quickly as they can go. Okay, I'm I'm going to group up. I'm going to just try to flag down everyone. Do I see that? Because I'm imagining, like, with all this going on. Yeah, I'd say you definitely see that. You guys are all kind of watching each other and everything. You definitely see... Lizette basically run at this person uh, <laughs> and kind of on purpose accidentally bump into them. Uh, yeah, you definitely see Lizette do that for sure. I would definitely be in trying to be subtle, but still like a very quick pursuit. Like, you know, excuse me, excuse me. Just sort of like, you know, going through the crowd. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you can definitely pursue this person. They go into the bathroom. I'm gonna try to like let the rest of the team know that I'm that I, I what what just happened. Gotcha. Uh, if you meet up with me, I'll just cast message, and I'm just gonna like shoot out messages towards uh, uh, the rest of my team. Come on, all right, everyone. Here's the deets. Let's go. Yeah, he is already heading right towards the bathroom. <laughs> message, Lonlin, <laughs> go. We need that beef. I imagine Lonlin is with Winnie. So she's she like fair. keeping a really close eye on her rather than be with the group. Yeah, so Winnie is currently in her like dressing room, which is actually back up the elevator. Um, and it's where she was eating her mountain of sweets. Uh, over this these like hours in preparation, she has basically consumed the rest of those sweets. And she's pulled the door closed in front of the curtain and She's, like, done her vocal warm-up. I mean, warm if Longlin watched her eat all those sweets, she's not sure if she's more impressed or kind of, I don't know, disgusted at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Winnie consistently, like, offers you sweets, tries, like, she's very flirtatious with you, um, but also focused on her... Uh, on her singing and warm up. Uh, all right, so we have four people down, and are is everyone converging on the washroom? Salem's going to hang back just a little bit and um, try try and stay as close as possible, even though it's up the elevator uh, towards where Lonlin is and the rest of the group, so that if either needs help, uh, they can rush to their assistance. Okay, perfect. So we got three folks heading towards the bathroom. Um, and uh, do you, what? How do you enter the bathroom? Do you just barge in? Do you knock? What do you do? Is it like a? Is it a single occupancy bathroom, <laughs> or is it like a normal bathroom? It is a single occupancy bathroom, but it's a very fancy single oh occupancy gosh. bathroom. So there's like kind of like a vestibule where you wash your hands, um, and then there's still an actual stall. Oh, okay. So okay, 
Uh, Pardon, I, coming through. Intervention. <laughs> uh, I, I'm kind of with him um, and with her, uh, and I just wander in. And there's there is like just some angry mutterings as people are like, "Hey, come on, I'm in line. What are you doing? I'm in line. Hey, get out of here!" And just people are like bickering, but then some people are like, "Oh, they probably need it. Just let them go to the washroom." <laughs> um, and you go in, and the washroom door slams open and uh you see you're in this vestibule with uh just this gilded sink very fancy like marble on the sides and there is a stall with the door closed and you just hear in uh gnomish you just hear someone saying yeah, come on hey what's going on it's just and just kind of muttering as soon as you like bang the door open you hear the muttering stop I vote for kicking the door down. <laughs> uh, I will support you. Let's, let's, uh, let's get to it. a sturdy young lad. Barge that door in. I'm curious to speak on your friend. I think we're both just making Cricket do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, Cricket never skips leg no, days. No, so. never. Yeah, I'm Shadow actually pretty good at this stuff. In his senior years. <laughs> so, <laughs> doesn't want to break anything there. All right. I just kind of like do like a quick few stretches. All right. Just got to limber up and then... Bah! Just kind of kick straight in. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am going to make you roll an attack. Um, oh. It's just like a kick. So I mean, I rolled a 22 on athletics. Uh, I could roll a quick. Uh, oh, uh, no, no, no. If you, a 22 on athletics, that totally okay, works. Uh, yeah. This door poof, slams back. It actually doesn't normally open this direction. It's usually like a, it's usually a pull door, but you've forced it to become a push door. Um <laughs> You see two sticks lying on the ground, and standing directly in front of them, there is a fairly short figure, um, but who just seems like absolutely stuck in this big black robe. Um, and you see the uh, the the hands, the arms that are going into the muff. They've actually been like completely dropped, and you see right where like the elbows would be there just these hands coming out that are trying to like pull open the or pull the everything off but they have basically paused to try to avoid notice um, but as soon as you kick the door in you hear them say oh did he know what's going on well i mean there's a few things going on uh namely um why uh, th that's a big one why I'm just going to drag him out uh, of the, the stall. All right, uh, I'm going to just kind of pull up and right down in front of Lizette and Charlo. You guys, it's your turn. Perfect. As you drag him out, his little morning veil falls off, and you see this uh, quite, like, round gnomish face with, a, like, a wine-broken nose. Like, you know, like, where someone who drinks a lot, their, like, capillaries really break on their nose. You see that, and his big gnomish ears are lopsided but most noticeable of all you see this shock of just red red hair um crop short in a in a neat cut uh and he says oh hello welcome uh i didn't see you there <laughs> i'm gonna sit cross-legged in front of him on, oh, i'm gonna sit cross-legged in front of him on the ground and just get in like real up in his space what I do you think you're doing here? And what's with the stilts? Well, I'm here to, I'm here to watch the show, of course. Uh, I, I'm a big fan, and 
you know, the stilts are because, well, people are so uh, tall, uh, and I just need to see. Can I do an insight check to see if this is Patty O'Malley? Yeah. Um, can you roll higher? Can you roll below a five for your insight? <laughs> Sorry, what? He rolled a five on his deception. Oh, um, okay. I thought you were asking if I could. Even... Like if... <laughs> no, it was like, I was kind of asking, is it possible? Um, because yeah, he rolled a five to deceive. This is definitely Patty O'Malley. Uh, he like matches the description perfectly. He's slightly taller than your average gnome by about half of an inch. Um, but he's a lot beefier than most gnomes. Like his arms are kind of as big as a lot of people's calves. So like for a gnome, this guy is built. So, Patty, are you the one that's been sending death threats to Winnie? Uh, as soon as you say his name, uh, Patty, like, it's like, how do you know it is me? I know everything. Hey, so, then why are you asking questions? It would sound better in your own words. Also, in, in a court of law, we need you to confess to your crimes. I just, you can't go off of just someone's whim that's not, that's not following the law precisely, so. Hey, so, um, well... Did you say death threats? No, I, I had never. I, I love Winnie so much. I had, I had never. Oh, that's. Is she in danger? And then he'll like kind of say, "All right, let me out of here. I gotta go protect her. I'm gonna go find her, and I'm gonna like stand, and I'm gonna make sure that no one gets like between her and me." And he tries to push out of the bathroom. I, I'm gonna let him do that. Uh, oh my god, I, 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 I'm starting to respect him a little bit. Uh, can I go? inside his statement? Yeah, like because like, I, I, like I would story. not if he seems to be true, telling the truth. Uh, absolutely, make an insight check, and if any of you want to try to stop him, no, absolutely, I'm gonna go tackle him. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, go find um, your loved one. Go confess your feelings. <laughs> uh, make a uh, yeah. Okay. Make an athletics or acrobatics. For and that's an insight him. check of thirteen for me. <laughs> 13? That is an acrobatics um, check of 10. <laughs> uh, well, he doesn't have a lot of AC. He doesn't. He's not wearing any armor. In fact, he probably has negative AC, but I had put him at 11 as opposed to 10. So um, you try to grab him and he just kind of like, I think he does one of those things like a cartoon, like you go and you grab his cloak or his dress and he just pops out from below it and just starts running behind, like away from you really quick. Um, and uh, with a 13, you get the sense he's probably maybe telling the, the truth, but it's hard to know exactly. Uh, and he starts just running through the, uh, through the, like the speakeasy and Salem, you see this red haired gnomish person just booking it uh, Salem, towards the bar. I just come out, <laughs> no, he's trying to go to help the loved one. Let it happen. Salem is waiting precisely for this. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not listening to Cricket and is is uh, going to cut off and stop uh, uh, Patty O'Malley as fast as possible. All right, absolutely. You can easily get there um, and uh, make a athletics or acrobatics check to try to grab this person. All right, uh, I am going to opt to use the gain advantage feature from prot or from uh, human determination. Nice. Uh, and so I'm going to roll that acrobatics check at advantage. All right. 
Yep. Good choice. Uh, 10 into... Oh, God. 13. Hey, it's better than 11. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, as you uh, reach out, you grab Patty O'Malley and... Uh, he does like a cartoon, like his legs keep kicking as you pick him up off the ground. All right, then. I believe my friends wanted to talk to you, Mr. O'Malley. And it's so rude of you to just cut and run like that. No, I... It, they said she was in danger. I gotta go protect her. No, 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 no. It's, it's quite all right. We've got Ms. Gale's protection well in hand. Just oh, as I you. No, no, she needs something big and strong like me. She needs a, a protector, a hero. Yeah, I'm gonna... Uh, and Patty just kind of keeps muttering and trying to, like, squirm out, but is definitely not able to escape. Well, Salem's not got the strongest grip, especially compared to Cricket, so they will happily hand uh, Patty to Cricket as fast as possible. I'll begrudgingly take it. <laughs> right, Cricket, um, this one's your charge. I feel like probably we ought to go check in on Ms. Gale in London. Yeah, I'm actually very down for that. Um, I, 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 you know, I actually still support this guy. Uh, I, I just kind of turned towards, uh, towards Patty. You know, uh, Winnie was saying a lot of good things about you, but said you were a little too possessive. I, I just got to kind of prod him in the chest. I think he's got a chance. <laughs> and he'll just like, did you just cast false life? No. <laughs> oh. oh. You know what? No, I'm going to cast Enhance Ability on him. Oh. Go for your charisma checks, buddy. Awesome. Okay. Uh, that is fantastic. Uh, do you bring uh, Patty O'Malley back up the elevator to Winnie's changing room? Oh, definitely. Perfect. Uh, as you enter, um, Winnie says... Oh, so early. I didn't realize. Oh. Patty, it's, um. What are you doing here? And why are you being carried? I just gotta plop him down. Uh, I think he's got something to, to, to tell you. Oh, and he's also not the one uh, who's trying to kill you. We, we, we kind of sussed that one out there. And she will look at Patty, um. Oh, she got a natural 20 insight. She knows. She As soon as you say that, she's like, yeah, no, that... I guess I don't know who else it could be, though, but Patty just doesn't seem like the type. Like, I feel like... And Patty uh, kind of sheepishly... Like, as soon as he's now in the room with her, like, all of that kind of bluster and get-up-and-go has just really kind of left him and he just sits there and he's wringing his hands and he says Winnie I I just I love you and I'm it's, this last year has been the worst of my life and I I just want you back and I... and she'll like pat him on the cheek and say it's just it's just not gonna work out it, we just want different things. He has advantage on his charisma roll. <laughs> oh, that does go from a 10 to an 18 with a minus one. Oh. So, <laughs> um, but she looks at him 
And she pats his cheek and says, All right, well, we can talk. We can, it, it would be nice to, to talk, but let's not rush back into anything. We'll just, we'll, we'll have coffee. And he, like, as soon as she kind of says that, you see he swells and he looks over at, uh, at Cricket and he says, True love. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's going to work out. I know it. It's just going to be amazing. We're going to be like together forever. <laughs> and you see Winnie just kind of does roll her eyes and subtly steps behind Longwin. Oh. Oh, I get it now. Oh. <laughs> I say that out loud. <laughs> One looks uh, between the two of them, still really clueless about what's happening. <laughs> uh, perfect. With that, um, yeah, Patty O'Malley uh, insists on staying just outside her dressing room. <laughs> Um, until she's about to perform, and then insists on, like, watching from the side uh, to try to make sure that nothing bad happens, because he doesn't actually know you guys from Adam, so he does not trust you to protect the love of his life. And uh, about half an hour later, the there's a little knock at the door, and the maitre d' from the tea house just says, Hello, Miss Gale. Uh, it is your time to shine. They are ready for you downstairs. And uh, as they're leaving, it just sends another bit of like a look to Lisette. And just you see him like actively sigh without making any noise. Just. And I wink at him. <laughs> and he just turns on his heel and walks back into the tea house. Uh, and uh, we are about to head back down into the speakeasy. Is anybody doing anything? I think at this point, Shardlow wouldn't have left the speakeasy once he sees that both Salem and Cricket have this guy. Like He's not getting away from both of them, so he'd be probably still down in the bar, now looking for the second most suspicious after the dwarf in the trash can. <laughs> 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 Perfect. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, make me another perception check. All right. Not that good this time around. Maybe he, maybe I got a glass of something for myself. Uh, that is a 10 on perception. 10. Uh, you do not really notice anyone who sticks out as suspicious, really and truly. Um, everyone seems to be really enjoying Millie Plum's song. Uh, she's being very flirtatious with the audience and everyone seems to be really loving it um and you can tell she is really basking in the glow of the adoration but of course you know she's a performer it's what they live for and uh but you don't really see anybody who is suspicious the only thing you notice is that a couple times throughout um like millie plum's set you do see agnes just going back to get more wine or liquor and it just seems to take her I don't know a, a, an extra minute a couple of times like it just seems like it there's only a couple of like just a few times 
and only because you are kind of familiar with Agnes that you would pick up on this, but it seems like there are just a couple times when she's taking just a little bit longer than you would normally expect. All right. I low-key tail Agnes. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, make a stealth check. So I probably still have like a cocktail in hand, just trying to move through the party, <laughs> looking as though I'm not particularly troubled by anything. Uh, that's an 18 on stealth. An 18 on stealth. Uh, perfect. Um, so you tail Agnes. She goes into the uh, into the wine locker, but she closes the door every time. But the time when you tail her, you hear her um, and actually make a perception check. All right. I'm sort of leaning up against the wine locker here, seeing if I can uh, get a listen into what's going on. Uh, sure. I, I won't best inspiration on this one yet. That's an 11. <laughs> an 11. Unfortunately, again, you can't really hear what's being said. All you hear is, again, it's slightly more sibilant than you would expect. It's as if I'm talking to you. Um, so it's just slightly <laughs> more sibilant than you would expect. Um, but it's only like uh, about a 30 second little thing that she's saying. Uh, you don't hear anybody replying. And then she comes back out. Uh, you hear her about like opening the door, so you're able to move again. Um, but she's just carrying another box of like rum and gin, which seem to be the kind of the drinks of choice. I'm I'm gonna try to like reconnect with the party and just let them know if, if they're coming back down the stairs, or wherever her dressing room is. Uh, yeah, so her dressing room is up that uh, elevator uh, to the tea house, and the party as they are coming back down, um, Jake the cake walks over to the microphone uh, says all right everyone thank you so much thank you so much millie plum everybody and more applause there's like cheers there's chinking of glasses and you see millie plum just like soaking it all in and bowing deeply from not actually on the ground at all she is of course still flying in the air but still bowing and you see she's just loving it and um she's blowing kisses to the audience and then Jake says, now, everybody, the main event, the reason we are all here tonight, please welcome Winnie Gale and gestures to you just as you uh, step out of the elevator and the lights in the entire room instantly turn off and there's just a single spotlight hitting only Winnie. And Winnie waves gently at the crowd and she begins to sing they call me the gale because i'll blow you away when you hear me you'll come out to play i like to have fun and a good meal is fine <laughs> so show me a good time and I'll show you mine. Ba -da, da, ba, 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 da, da, da. And the band kicks up and it goes into this big upbeat jazzy number and Winnie starts moving through the crowds and over to the stage. And the lights come up and people are dancing and cheering. And as the number, basically as soon as Winnie steps onto the stage, 
you hear a crash as the doors uh, leading up to the alley are per- are burst inwards and there's wood splinters and things flying through the air and you hear as four people carrying what can only be described as Tommy guns come into the speakeasy and there's a fifth person coming into the speakeasy who says, all right, everybody, let's dance. And that's where we're going to end tonight's session. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. We have to fight Tommy guns? Tune in next time for another exciting adventure in the Dirty Twenties. Will the speakeasy erupt in a shoot-em-up? Who are these intruders? And will we meet any down-under elves? Tune in to find out. In the meantime, visit www.dirty20spodcast.com, all spelled out, to make sure you know your onions. If you want to contact us, you can send us an email at dirty20spodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and if you send us any fan art, we'll be sure to add it to the website. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on whichever podcasting app you use. My name is Marcus Stusick. My players are Craig Chapman, Richard Chapman, Toby McGowan, Emily White, and Aiden Whitmore Weddle. Until next time, friends, stay safe, stay kind, and don't take any wooden nickels. <laughs>